Tomahawk, my little flute benders. It's time for I Like to Movie Movie. I don't know how to intro the show anymore. I feel like we've That's had so good, many actually. running. <laughs> Bone Tomahawk, my little flute benders. That's it's pretty good, right? I, I didn't know where you were going with it, and then after you said it, it really sunk in. I was like, that is yeah. that is good stuff. Uh, my name is Garrett Smith, uh, and uh, I like to movie movie. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, is it the end already? Yeah. My name is Dan Scully, and um, we are excited first to... Uh, Actually, you have all the details. Yeah, let's do it. So we're not going to go into it, but uh, I'll just say that we have our our movie. Movie live is returning in the form of a screening. You've been hearing yes. about it a lot. We finally have details uh, nailed down. Yes, and uh, it's very exciting. We know exactly what to tell you, which is July fifteenth at the Milburn Stone Theater in Maryland. Uh, we will be screening "I Am a Knife with Legs," a movie we watched and reviewed on the show last year. Uh, we interviewed the director Bennett Jones. You can find that episode on uh, "I Like Star to Movie." Yes, and Star. Uh, you can find that on "I Like to Movie." Uh, dot Libsyn. dot com, Facebook. dot com slash I Like to Movie at I Like to Movie on Twitter. Uh, that's where you can find us, uh, and that's where you can. Find info about our screening of I Am a Knife with Legs uh, at the Milburn Stone Theater, July 15th. You can find tickets now at milburnstone.com. Milburnstone.com. That's what it is. M I L B U R N. Stone. S T O N E. It sounded like you said Milburn Stone. Yeah. And that's not a thing. Don't well, because I almost said theater. Yeah, I almost said theater. Milburn it's not Stone. Milburn Stone. Com. It's milburnstone.com. Yeah, milburnstone.com. They have tickets available now. I believe it's $5. There's going to be free popcorn available. Uh, we're going to be playing some old movie, movie live games, bringing them back out. I have so many fucking prizes to give out. I, I, I can't have so wait. so much space I've been that accumulating I need to make in my bullshit apartment. that I can't wait to put in your hands. And it could be your shit in your apartment. Yes. And it's so easy because if you've been to one of our live shows before, you might even have all the answers. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you also don't even need an answer. Mm-hmm. And you'll probably still get a prize. That's mm-hmm. usually what happens. Uh, so, yes. Uh, uh, we're going to be playing some games. We might have a few other special uh, things up our sleeve uh, that might come up that night. So uh, come out and see us there, July 15th, Milburn Stone. And as always, make sure to uh, go onto your little iTunes machine yeah. and give us a couple clicky clicks. Yes. Uh, usually in that little spot, you're going to see five stars. If you click, you're going to think go left to right, but if you click the rightmost star, that's what we want you to do. That's most important for yeah. us. And then send us some words. Yeah. Uh, and give us some tips on movies you'd like to see us review, which this week uh, is actually from a listener. Smooth transition. Yeah. The, Velvet. Yes. Uh, a listener recommended the movie we're going to be doing this week. We're going to be talking about Hannah this week. we got a couple things we want to get to before that but uh yeah if you leave us a review and tell us a movie you want us to watch we might just in fact do it and talk about it um so yeah you can do that on itunes and uh, a shout out to the volcano vinyl guys who uh oh, actually yeah. came over and gave us some five-star reviews and told us how much they like the show uh hope to uh kind of get more in contact with you them know soon. while we're plugging yeah while we're plugging gotta throw a shout out to the shame files podcast yes uh, Ryan and Jill, who are both uh, the editors of Cinadelphia.com, Former they just the show. launched a new podcast. You often hear them uh, on our show. And uh, what it is, it's The Shame Files. It corresponds with a somewhat regular project that we do on the site in which you watch a movie that shamefully you have not seen yes. and you pull it to pieces. And so they took that and turned it into an audio format, and it's really good. So check it out and support them in their uh, 
in their podcast endeavors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to be exciting. Uh, and I think Cinepunks have a bunch of new shows that they just dropped over mm. the last couple of weeks that are pretty exciting. Uh, they're friends of the show as well. Check out Cinepunks.com. Check out some of their shows. All right, done with the plugs. Let's get to uh, what do you got off the top? What do you got oh, off the yeah, dome for some let's news? Talk about some news. First off, uh, just this is a, a moment of celebration. Yes. Um, we're celebrating a huge anniversary in the film world. This week marks the 20th anniversary. Ow, my back hurts. The 20th anniversary of Con Air. Oh, boy. Uh, I've never seen Con Air. Um, Yeah. What's the thing about Con Air is like, of all of those movies, like yeah. the Face Off, The Rock, yeah, you know, all of those movies, of all that those movies era, that starred Nicolas Cage in that era, yes, exactly. Yeah. It's it's probably not the best of them, <laughs> but because of that, it yeah. has its own charms. Oh yeah, you know, and it's it's pretty tasteless I've, and kind of like terrible. Yeah, but it's it's so good. I've always wanted to see it just on the cast alone. Yeah. Oh, the cast is insane. It's yeah. got four hundred people, uh-huh. in it, and one of them is Dave Chappelle. Yeah. So and one of them's John Cusack. Uh huh. And one of them's John Malkovich. One isn't of them's it? John John Malkovich is Cyrus the Virus. Yeah. He has a great one line. Is Johnny right Legs in that movie? Probably. <laughs> and then it's either. Oh God. I'm I feel like that's like why asshole. I think he's in it actually because I'm like, yeah, he's probably in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to be. Yeah. There's a. There's a. Uh, Cy has this great one-liner, one of my favorites because it can't be explained. Yeah. But God damn it, I'm gonna try. Please. Uh, this guy tries to take a plane that Cyrus the virus, colloquially yes. referred to as Cy, um, <laughs> which is important. He tries to take a plane that he's gonna escape on, but crashes the plane a little bit and ends up covered in the plane's fuel. He crashes it a little bit. It, well, like he doesn't get it <laughs> off the ground, but he like like people are shooting it. I yeah. forget what the yeah. terms of it all. There's a lot of grumbling music and yeah. like chains and sparks. <laughs> Don't worry about it. And uh, he's covered in gasoline, and Cy is mad at him. And Cy's smoking a cigarette or takes a cigarette from somebody, and it's looking like he's about to pitch it into the gas and burn this guy. And the guy begs with him by saying, Cy! And then uh, Malkovich responds, Yanara, (laughs) and throws the cigarette into the gas, igniting the flames and killing this man with the worst, best one-liner ever. That's amazing. Sayonara. <laughs> Say, Yanara. Yanara. I, like, I want to see what the original script looked like with that yeah. page in it. Yeah. So, yeah, happy happy birthday, Conair. You are almost old enough to drink. I, I'm going to watch that movie soon, actually. That's a good reason to watch it. That might be a fun episode. Yeah. It's, it's a good reason to watch it's it. It's pretty wild. You, everybody knows we're big Nick Cage fans. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everybody is a big Nick Cage fan. Yeah, Even I think so. Even if they hate him, they're contributing to it. It's, yes, exactly. It's, it's unreal. Yeah. Uh, what else? Oh, so uh, the uh, what's it called? Uh, Top Gun Two. Oh yes. Have you heard about this? Top Gun Two colon nothing about Maverick. It. Yeah, getting Maverick. Yeah, that's the the title is literally Top Gun Two Maverick. That's uh, they announced that. What's weird is this is a movie that put Tony Scott on the map. Uh-huh. Rest in peace, Tony Scott. Yes. Will he roll over in his grave? I mean, who is this one of those things? I feel like he. Who even directs this movie? I think did they yeah. announce that? I don't know. Because like they're just gonna tie a GoPro to a jet and have Tom Cruise, who actually knows how to fly jets, probably. Right. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. I. I just. I don't know what he is. Such a distinctive uh, voice in cinema that I don't know. I don't know who directs this. That and what do they do? Do they imitate Tony Scott or do they decide not to? I don't know. It's, it's just a strange prospect to like, me. What's been What's been going yeah. on in the life of Maverick? Yeah. For the last twenty five. What are Maverick and Goose up to? Years it is. Yeah. yeah exactly. What is? But. I, I, I don't care because I don't really like Top Gun that much. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, really. it's, it's whatever. Go uh, for it. To be honest, I will 1,000% see that movie <laughs> yeah. if I know they're going to do a volleyball scene again 
with Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise now. Because Tom Cruise still keeping it together yep. pretty well. Uh, he was a little CG enhanced in some of his recent <laughs> stuff. Um, but uh, Val Kilmer looks as if young Val Kilmer has, has been CG enhanced yes. to be a chunky old man. Yeah. And uh, I, I would pay all of my money to see that. I would watch that. I, I would wa- I would watch the shit out of that. Here's my plot. Yeah. They say uh, what was what was uh, Top Gun's name? Uh, what was uh, uh, what? Val Kilmer's name? I just called him. Isn't Top he Goose? Gun. Is he Goose? Or is he Iceman? I forget. Or is Tom Cruise Iceman? And he's and I didn't no, I think, love it. Goose dies. And is that Goose wait. is the one that gets shot oh, out of the yeah. top of his thing into the into his ejection thing, and it gets so is up. Val Kilmer Iceman? I we think he's Iceman. Yeah, he's Iceman, because yeah. Maverick is Cause Maverick, Cruise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's Maverick, Iceman, and Goose. Yeah, Goose dies. He's Iceman. He's definitely Iceman. There's someone out there listening to this who's yeah. just so fucking So mad pissed. at us. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ma- we yeah just he's don't, Iceman. We don't care about this movie. It Anthony out. Edwards was Goose. Yes. He's the guy that we loved in Zodiac. That's right. So much. Um, okay, so yeah, Val Kilmer. I don't, well, here's what I want to see. Yeah. I want it to be Apocalypse Now. Except uh, when they fly their jets to whatever jungle Val Kilmer's been living in for the past <laughs> thirty years, and it's just him Wait, doing his. And he's also Brando. doing a Brando he's again, just doing yeah, a complete yeah, Brando. Yeah. And because Val Kilmer is Val Kilmer, he's fucking crushing it, and it's incredible. Yes, yeah, I, I would watch the shit out of that. The, all the shit talk about Val Kilmer, he's oh, I, I he's love Val great. Kilmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, Even in the worst movies, you're like that guy is going to do something. He's, he's an easy target. I almost feel bad making fun of him for the way he looks now because it's just an easy target thing. Uh, uh, but he, I legitimately really like Val Kilmer. Yeah. When I watched Tombstone recently for yeah. the first time, that was a, a shameless. I'll be your Huckleberry. Up. I'll be your Huckleberry. That was, I, I kind of, I liked that movie. It was it's good. all right. It wasn't. I yeah. thought it was. I was going to be blown away. So my expectations were off. Yeah. He was insanely. He's good. yeah. He was yeah. so fucking yeah. good in that movie. And he looks so Crazy. wild in it. Like he's yeah. got that weird mustache. Like and he's he, tuberculosis yeah. sweat and all that shit. Yeah. And then, I mean, case in point, if you want to talk about quality Val Kilmer, yeah. he brings his A++ game to MacGruber. Yeah, yeah. And it's awesome. Oh, yeah. It, well, and like, uh, I, to me, and I guess it is kind of long ago now, we're like approaching maybe 10 years, but like, it's not that long ago that he and um, uh, Downey Jr. did um, Shane Black's movie. What was that called? Oh, Kiss Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Kiss Bang Bang. Bang. He was and Gay Perry. He's so good in that. <laughs> he's so good he's at that. He's so good in that. Gay Perry is such a, he should be an all-time great quotable character, <laughs> and no one remembers his name. Yeah. It uh, man, I, I yeah, I feel like people have already people already sleeping on Val Kilmer. Mm, that's because we're, we're we're getting a Gosling. Yeah, yeah, we're phasing him in, and yeah. it's like, uh, oh, Everyone, Val Kilmer was fucking Batman. I know you he was just, not the best Batman. I know you just gave me an image though of like uh uh, uh what's his name twenty years Gosling twenty years from now I that is Val Kilmery when they make like. La La Lander, yeah, and he's fifty yeah, years yeah. old. It'll be incredible, and it's it's La La Land on the moon. Of course, it's, yes, that's it's, exactly. It's the moon lander goes to La La Lander. There's no music because it's in space. Yeah, you yeah. can't hear anything. It's just a silent musical because he smoked away his vocal cords. The opening is basically the opening of Gravity, but everybody, all the astronauts are like dancing to a choreographed number. They're like snapping, yeah, yeah. but in their big astronaut gloves, yeah, yeah. waiting for that day. But it's just yeah. with no snap. I can't even recreate it for you. Too much air in here. Uh, so we're on board with Top Gun. Too. I mean, I'm, I'll probably see it, but I, I, I'm not even the biggest Top Gun fan, so it's not that it much of interest to me. And I agree with you. I don't even Top Gun fans like I don't know who's clamoring for Top Gun Two. Are people clamoring for a live action Cowboy Bebop? 
Because it's happening now. I know. And as a TV series, I think. Is, is that it accurate? A TV series? I might I could be wrong about that. I think I saw that maybe it was like a series they were developing. I literally read the headline when yeah. I was walking here. So that's all I got. It it might make a little more sense as a TV series, you know, because mm-hmm. the show is highly episodic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could also see maybe taking just a plot of an episode and deciding that's a movie. Because even the Cowboy Bebop movie, as it were, like I like that movie. That movie's good. But that is a better show than that ever was a movie. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah, 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 that, yeah. that movie was just you're like, oh, it's a long episode of the and show. And that's the thing. It's another one of those things where i do think like that works better at a 30 minute mm-hmm. and you know even if you're gonna go live action like that it i don't know that it hold can hold a movie necessarily well, i don't know it that well i'm yeah. not the big you know i, I liked cowboy bebop yeah. but i didn't like get into it but there's nothing out of memory that i'm holding on to that i that i'd like to see out of the animation format yeah exactly i mean it it, it does i don't know so many things just feel like they're of themselves like that's mm. one of those things that just feels like it's an entity unto itself and i don't know if it works out outside of itself. ghost in the shell which that was a movie i very much enjoyed i really want to see but that, the actually. entire it, it's it's really good and like i i don't want to get into any of the yeah. the you know implications of casting or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah but just on the level of you know i did enjoy that movie mm-hmm. and to get ready i watched the first two ghosts in the shell oh, yeah and i really enjoyed them too yeah and i felt kind of the same way about all of them so the movie despite showing me all these cool visuals it, it was Taking it into a different form almost felt pointless because yeah. I was just as impressed with with the anime visuals. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I had never seen any of this before and this was just an original thing, I'd be like, wow, those visuals are great. Yeah. But you know, I, I do think it's worth seeing, but there's nothing to hold on to it. You know? Yeah, and I just, I don't know. I, I also feel like Cowboy Bebop might be like... Um, almost like a decade too late. Mm. Like, had they done this 10 years ago, I think there might have been... They almost did it in 2009. Yeah. And it was going to be Keanu Reeves. Yeah, see... And so... And I could see at that time, like, a good groundswell of, like, oh, yeah, that would I'd be dying to see that. Like, that would be cool. Well, and people would be like, oh, this could be, like, another Matrix for Keanu. Yeah, before right. Before he John Wicked. Right. And, you know, it's, it was what? It was 10 years after the Matrix. Yeah. But it's, like, it feels weird to say, but it's, like, in a world of... I get, like, 17 comic book movies every year. Like... I don't really need a cowboy. Like I, I don't. It's I'm not gimmicky. as yeah. I'm not as jazzed on the like. Ooh, uh, the, here's another thing that I don't know. Did you say jazz on purpose because of the <laughs> theme song? Is that part of that? Uh, no, uh, I thought you were making a La La Lander reference. Oh no, no, oh, or that too. <laughs> oh man, there's your movie. Yeah, cowboy bebop bebop, <laughs> La La Lander. Yeah. And now the evil club owner, uh, uh, J.K. I almost called him J.K. Rowling, J.K. Simmons is, uh, I don't know, trying to take over the moon and turn it into a stuffy Christmas club <laughs> when it really needs jazz. You just made me think Gosling would actually be like kind of a cool choice for that lead uh, uh, Cowboy Bebop character. Who I'm not... Yeah. I've, I've seen... I'm like you. I've seen like a handful of episodes of the show. I've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't remember any of the characters' names. I don't... Yeah, I don't <laughs> not, I, like, there's probably someone named Bebop. Yeah. <laughs> there might not be, though. That's actually, maybe the ship is called Bebop? It could be. I can't remember. And there's a cowboy. Yeah. Like an old cowboy. It's one of my favorite theme songs. Is the uh, the theme to Cowboy Bebop? Yeah, that is cool. So good. The um, one of them I just wanted to ask you: Did you see the trailer for American Made? Oh yes, I want to fucking. See I am that really yesterday. excited about that. Uh, who directed that? Doug Liman. Doug Liman, yes. And I like Doug Liman. Me too. And, and I like what he's done with Cruise. Interview that his model for it was Goodfellas. Whoa! Now that's of course to yeah. put any director on the level of Scorsese is like uh, I don't know if you're going to capture right. it. But at the same time, like I very much liked War Dogs. Yeah. And you know, it wasn't a great movie. Yeah. But it was one of those where it was like, 
a pop director trying to go for something a little bit more substantial. Yeah. And this looks like it walks the line better than that, and I think that's exciting. I agree. I read a really fun interview with Lyman like yesterday, I think, where he was talking about uh, yet another Tom Cruise plane stunt, because mm-hmm. now that's just what Tom Cruise does is, is plane stunts. But he was like... He was like, this doesn't sound like a stunt, but it was literally the craziest thing I've ever seen an actor do. We had to do this thing where he's like flying a plane with a with a bunch of cocaine in the back. Mm. And the way we shot it was I was in a helicopter flying next to him and he was just flying the plane. There was no one else in it with him. So it was just Tom Cruise actually flying a plane while I was Who filming it. Who ensures this? Right? Like, yeah. and, and so he's like, so that's a stunt in and of itself. But then what happens in that scene is the guy flying the plane has to get up and grab cocaine and throw it out the back of the plane. Mm. So Tom Cruise, alone in the plane that he's flying, s- walks away from the plane that he's flying to throw cocaine out the back. He was like, I suddenly he was like, it didn't occur to me until I was filming him doing it that I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like Tom Cruise is alone in that plane, just walking back yeah, and forth, yeah. like not flying it. That's insane. I didn't <laughs> yeah. know that. Yeah. I did read something where he said Tom Cruise had been training for a stunt for a year, and it's the most insane thing. Whoa. That sounds like it's probably it. could it. be it. That's, that's nuts. How crazy well, you know, is he that? He probably insures himself. I, it's got to be. And, and when you have a body that's been completely purged of things, <laughs> there's really nothing you can't do. Yeah. And if there's anyone higher on the chain in Scientology in terms of physical prowess, well, bring him to the, yeah. to the Hollywood studios. Yeah. Because right now, no one's touching Tom Cruise. Dude, I, I am very excited for that movie, actually. I thought yeah. that trailer was really good, too. It's a good trailer. Uh, and I like the idea of a um, uh, a sort of... And I, he's kind of been doing this lately in general, because The Mummy, I think, is somewhat of a similar thing. It's like a quote-unquote like darker turn Tom Cruise, right? Like it's sort not, of. He's, he's, just, he's not the... Um, the honorable, straight up, just definitely yeah. the good guy. He's kind you of know? an asshole. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And he's he's actually like a pretty big asshole in in the Mummy. Yeah, and it's great. It's and perfect. it kind of looks like that's what he is in in American Made too. Oh yeah, that's uh, what he is in Jack Reacher. Yeah, he's right. He gets the job done. Right, but, like he's, he's not a little very, bit of a uh, dick about it. He's a dick. Yeah, yeah. He's just over it. Yeah, he wants and to punch I, people I, I kind of like explosions. that version of Tom Cruise. I do too. Like, I, well, he's not a pretty boy anymore. Yeah, he's fifty something. He's fifty something. He's got to he's got to do his thing. I am really excited to see like what becomes of Tom Cruise's late career because. What I, I love is we try. They were trying to phase him out. Yeah, at, you know, whenever dude uh, Jeremy Renner was protocol. The, yeah. yeah, Jeremy Renner was going to be the new guy, and Tom Cruise just put him to bed. Like he he he's not even in he's the next one. He's not even in the new <laughs> one. And Tom Cruise did it. Yeah. you know, for the Mummy, they they have you know you could do anything. and you could cast anybody. And they're like, yeah. no, let's get Tom Cruise and let's make him do stunts. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and he just keeps fucking going. I know. Jack Reacher was going to be one of those where it's like, oh, this is going to be, he can be an older man character in this because Jack Reacher, nope, he's he's kicking people in yep. the chest. It's yep. insane. Yep. It's, uh, he, uh, that man is a machine and I am so glad we still have him. Oh, yeah. And even the craziest thing about Tom Cruise is that he mounted the most, in, like what he did, you don't come back from. What do you mean? When he went insane, when he jumped on the couch, when he was jumping on the couch, yeah. when he got married to uh, what's Katie, her Holmes? Name? Katie Holmes, when he went on this one show and was like very loudly proclaiming uh, and very irresponsibly, I'll, I'll add that there's no need for like depression medication right. or anything like yes, that. Yes, I remember that. And, and, and it was offensive to a lot of people because yeah. it's like, well, what do you know about that? Yeah, like, especially you don't know anything. Especially when you're literally having a manic episode on another yeah. morning TV show. No one comes back from that. Yeah. Tom Cruise came back from that and is still and, and is 
pretty much the action king at like yes. 54. Like he's up there with Keanu and Keanu never had to mount a comeback like right. that really, you know. Right. Uh, no, at least he came back in movie quality, but not yeah. in anything personal. Right, right. You don't come back from what right. Tom we didn't Cruise like. Did. We didn't like hate or think Keanu Reeves was weird or like. You no, know what I mean? Just, like it, he, f- he fell into a rut of what yeah, kind of yeah. movies he could make. Yeah, and then came out of it. Yeah. Nobody comes back from Tom Cruise's thing except for one person. Tom Cruise. You know. <laughs> yeah. Tom Cruise. <laughs> That's insane. I fucking love. I love him. Yeah. And I need him to be as crazy as he is. Yeah. If he was a normal guy, I would not be a fan. Yeah. The fact that he I, had that meltdown is the fucking best. I did, I did, there is something like fascinating about him to me. Mm-hmm. He, he is infinitely more interesting because he's such a weirdo. Well, I think it really speaks to the fact of, by all accounts, he's a professional. Right, yeah. That is so key yeah. in everything you do. Yep. As a professional... Who can argue? Yeah, it's like you who? Could, yeah, exactly. Yep. It, uh, there, there are maybe other things you could be knocked down for, but that's mm-hmm. the, not there. That's like he's, yeah. he's nice. Yeah, also, he's supposedly. Nice. Yeah, because he's just in space. Yeah, maybe uh, literally. I had a really funny idea last week that I uh, maybe I will take the time to Photoshop and and throw online sometime <laughs> in the next week. Me. Uh, which is just... you never got enough love for the uh, the Jason video. Oh, BT thank dubs. you. That yeah. was great. I, I gotta, yeah, I should like. Sh- you maybe should share that. Do, put it on the movie movie page. Yeah, that's a good idea. That that's a funny. good idea. Uh, I, w- I really want to make a poster for Speed 2 Cruise Control, but it's just Sandra Bullock riding Tom Cruise's shoulders while he runs. That would be amazing. <laughs> amazing. Oh, that's that's incredible. Don't, wh- why Photoshop that poster yeah. when you can just write that movie? Yeah, yeah. Write it. Get it done. The world just, needs it. I keep picturing that scene from Ghost Protocol <laughs> where he's running from that building, that or sandstorm. That from um, uh, all of his oh, movies. Every ever, movie? Except yeah. maybe Magnolia, yeah. which I haven't seen in long enough. It very well could happen. It, there's probably, he's, he's running, he's probably from running down the hallway. As they rain yeah. from the sky. It's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tame the cock. Yeah. No, that's the wrong. Tame the gun. <laughs> Respect the cock. That's that is yeah. what he meant to say. I think. <laughs> yes, I, yeah. I actually went with the, probably what's the good thing to do. Yeah. Um, and then the only other news thing I had, just because yeah. I only just heard of this today, Please. you know about wrong answer. What Ryan uh, Coogler oh, yes. and B. Jordan yeah. team up, and Hell it's yes. like a I guess it's a like drama, a, yeah, about a real life uh, news story where an Atlanta school like uh, fudged the standardized test results. Whoa! And I don't know, I don't know what the story is, but. Uh, being a story in Atlanta yep. and being about fudging test results, I yep. wonder if, and it was in 2013, mm-hmm. so I wonder if it's going, I mean, of course it's going to speak to something, you know, in the real world that's just, you know, with Fruitvale Station yeah. and shit like yeah. that. That's what he does. Yeah. Uh, even even Creed. You know, yes. it's, it, that's what he does. I'm curious to see what it means and if it's a takedown of, like, no child left behind. Right, right. Or I don't know in which way they fudge the scores, but... Yeah, I don't like, know either. It, it, I The... The plot description said like tampering with the scores. Interesting. So like bumping up scores right. just to like give someone with no chance an edge. Right. That seems like something. Yeah, that's interesting. But the I, whole idea of Michael B. Jordan as a teacher yeah, is going to be great to I love watch. That. I that love that speech, whatever it is, whatever it is, yep. I want it now. Yep. I, I also just love that uh, you know, Kugler is one of these young directors that made a small movie, immediately launched into like big movies, and he's gonna go back and I would assume this seems like something that will be a little bit smaller. I like that mm-hmm. he has not, uh, 
He's not just like riding that wave to the t- to to just like oh now I just make you know because yeah. I'm a you know like Colin Trevorrow I feel like is probably gonna make one more small movie and never mm. again. He's coming out in a couple weeks. Yeah, he's got um, Book of Henry coming the out. Book of Henry, and yes. I bet that'll be like the last small movie. I actually, he makes. I have to review that movie. Oh yeah, and I well I'm very curious. I'm fascinated. Said the trailer was yeah, I mean, bonkers, we're interested, but I didn't watch it. Me neither. I, I really didn't care for either of. Yeah, me neither. I, it's the his time first one was, was, yeah, was, all right. it was decent, yeah. but yeah. not enough to get you a Star Wars. No, no. No, no, especially after Jurassic World. It would be great if the wrong answer was like, um, <laughs> I guess we're at that point where we can say it now. Yeah. This joke, where like at the end of the movie, B. Jordan's like, "Oh man, I, I just, I don't know how to reach these kids." And he leans back, and Michelle Pfeiffer's next to him, and she's just like, "I think I can handle it." And yeah. then as I walk through the valley, and it's like, "Oh shit, it was a dangerous mind sequel the whole time." Ah! That's so good. That would be, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Uh, that needs to be the new thing. It's yeah. just whole movies coming out, and then a character leans back, revealing a decade-old, uh, yes. multiple decades-old characters, just yep. like, well, I think I'm perfect for this job. This movie <laughs> was taking place in this universe the whole time. <sighs> uh, I, you know that Shyamalan did break something open. That is mm-hmm. going to happen. That will happen again. It's going to happen again. Yeah. He is, I mean... Dead the whole time yeah. was literally the surprise ending for like the next two years of movies <laughs> yeah. for at least like three or four movies yeah. a year. Yeah. It's, yeah. I remember being disappointed by the others because I felt like it had yeah. the same ending. Now I feel I've like if I went back and rewatched it, 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 it might be better. Someone told me the yeah. ending. And I was like, eh. But yeah. I hear it's great. Uh. Yeah, supposedly it's really good. Mm. I might like it now, but I remember like at the time being disappointed because I was like, I saw this movie already. Yeah, yeah. They did that in the same way Fight Club. After that, yep. it was always, but he was actually him the whole time. Yeah, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Oh, man. That that would be a great movie to find yeah. out somebody was Tim Allen the whole time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're like, man, I just can't rebuild this deck. And he leans back and someone's like, uh, oh, I got the tools for this. Yeah. And he slams a Binford tool thing. Turns down out it's a Wilson origin story. Yeah. Oh my God. The dawn of That's the big re- home improvement the movie. The yeah. dawn of Wilson. And the big reveal at the end is that like you like like the guy that's been trying to build his deck the whole time, suddenly like we meet his neighbor who we've not met yet the whole mm. time, and it's Tim Allen, but he's doing the Wilson gag. We yeah. only see his eyes and we just hear and it's it's clearly just like Tim because Tim Allen's been dead for years yeah, by yeah. the time we make this. It's clearly his brother with like a CGI'd <laughs> Photoshop of his eyes yeah. that they like culled from yeah. an old Santa Claus movie. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> this needs to happen all the time. Yeah. Just every movie they lean back and like William Wallace is there and you're like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Braveheart too. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Oh man. I hope somebody does that as a joke before anybody can get to it. Like again, yeah. just trying to do it legitimately. Like it's tough though because in order to suggest it, you probably have to own some of the intellectual. Yeah. Property. Right. I know. I know. I just. I hope somebody gets to it quick. Where like they just make a comedy that's like a ridiculous one night out on the town, one crazy night comedy. Mm. That the end, like the camera pulls out and it's a Star Wars sequel. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just like. Well, you know where it'll happen first. It probably won't happen soon because the nerds are still alive. Yeah. But um, maybe after we all die. Yeah. It, there will be a Star Wars movie where they're just like, oh man. This is a really mysterious ship approaching the Earth. I'm kind of scared. And then, like, Captain Kirk leans forward. It's <laughs> like, I've been doing this for 300 years. <laughs> like, oh, oh, he's back. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a digitally created Chris Pine. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even do Shatner. No, fuck yeah, Shatner. Yeah. He killed his wives. 
Pine. Pine all day. After Wonder Woman, Pine. I was going to say, speak. He's the head mariner on Gay Island. Yes. He, leads, he ferries Dude. new male celebrities to and from my island at, at my whim. I love that you've thought of jobs for most of the of people course. on your Gay Island. If you don't have John Hamm as your history teacher, <laughs> how are we going to avoid repeating the mistakes of our past? <laughs> It's 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 why we I'm trying to think of who we ate. <laughs> who did we eat on my When we first got there, times were tough. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it's got to be somebody that would be on the gay island, but would also be the first person that you were like, yeah, he can go. He's delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, who would that? Well, Channing Tatum would be delicious. He would probably be delicious, but I feel like the meat would be gamey because yeah. he's got no body fat on. Yeah. Him. Would it be like Jason Schwartzman, like somebody that you were like, <laughs> yeah, he's got to be on my gay island, yeah. and then once he's there, you're like. There are just too many hot guys here. Like you gotta go. Like you just you look like a fucking idiot You're amongst all hot. these it's guys. Like an intellectual yeah. crush. Now that I'm, those things. yeah. Now that I'm surrounded by all the Chris's that are superheroes right now, like you gotta go. <laughs> and they're all there. Yeah, yeah, they're all definitely there. Yeah. yeah, we we first tried to eat the first intellectual crush, but we discovered that Iggy Pop doesn't have any flesh, <laughs> so that's why we brought in Schwartzman. Yeah, and. Uh, he had to go. Yep. He had to go. I didn't eat his face moles part. That was very <laughs> weird. It was kind of gross to me. We made a call, you know? <laughs> oh, we try least... to use all the pieces. Yeah. But, you know. Chris Pine is a great transition because uh, tonight's movie is Hannah. Uh, and the reason we're talking about it, uh, it turned out to be a great tie-in to Wonder Woman coming yes. out this week, which I was a huge fit. Like, actually, the more I think about it, the more I legitimately really, like, loved that Wonder Woman movie. What a just, like positive movie yes there's really not much about it that that people have for been... a movie that that i think wrongfully but but appro- somewhat appropriately like has almost become a political statement right it's so good to me that like beyond that like it's just this purely enjoyable time in yeah. the movies it's really good like that people have written a lot about how it's earnest yeah, for the first time in a while if we travel forward 50 100 years or yeah. whatever and suddenly we have this perfect utopia. Yep. The themes of it are still relevant, yeah. despite the fact that now they feel hot button. Right. There's nothing so specific about it that it ever gets to a point where you're like, can we just have a fucking movie? Yeah. It's a good movie. I agree. I feel one of the best things about it, I wrote this in my review, is I feel like it makes a big deal about the fact that this is... This is one. This is finally a huge female-led superhero movie where the the women are dynamic and strong. It also does not make a big deal about that at all. At all. That is just a fact of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, it makes a big deal about it by that being a fact of the movie because it, it there feels, are not a lot of movies that that's the fact it feels about. Fresh and new, right? But it's not. But it's it is not just throwing a political a fact of the you. movie. Yeah. Like that's just that's the story that's being. T- it's and in that way, it feels the way that we all look back at comic books. Yes. And think of them as like you know, there's a lot of older ones that it's just ah, you know, justice in the American way, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It captures that. Without feeling, you know, dated or out of touch. Yeah, w- and so it is a comic book movie in that sense. And my big, th- to to me, the big thing that like says to me like it's a universal success outside of whatever political thing we might want to talk about surrounding it. You have always said about Man of Steel that that was a superhero movie that made you feel like, oh, I I, I want to be Superman. Like I I want to be a better man. I want. And to- it wasn't like I want to become. I, I want to fly around and no, fight stuff. It's I want to do what's right. Yeah, you want to because it, there, that's virtue. Yes, you know, yes, you want the way. virtuosity of that character. Yeah. Wonder Woman made me feel that yeah, way, and it in really a does huge way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no superhero movie before truly has done that and for like, me. Imagine that working for you and I. Yeah, imagine that working for just like a. 10 year old female noob to this culture yep. and is just welcome you know come on in with open arms they probably feel so crazy good my buddy has a two-year-old daughter who is now growing up with her own jedi her own mad max her own 
Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, her own superheroes. You know what I mean? Like it, it, like it, it's incredible. And all of those things, not only are they, do they get their own the way yes. de- we did, but we also get them. We too. still get them too because that's they're just so good. Crazy. And that's the thing good. that, yeah, yeah. And, and that is the you know whatever the weird missing piece of the puzzle that I don't know why nobody could figure out sooner is just like yeah, but you're just all you have to do is tell. It, it's just a good just be. Make but a I think good when story. it comes down to making something that the is surrounded by any sort of, of charged you yeah. know, aspect to it in that way, um, it becomes, you, you almost feel obligated to make yeah. the comment. Yeah. And by feeling obligated, you end up hinging upon that comment, yeah. and then you lose a little bit of the movie. Mm-hmm. But this year it happened twice. Two very relevant movies that were very literally about these things but are actually just like Wonder Woman is just a good adventure movie. Get Out is just a great horror yeah. flick. Yep. It's a scary shit horror yep. flick that literally anybody who likes horror is going to is just going to enjoy on a yeah. functional level. Yeah. And it's also become this, yes. you know, like a cultural icon because of its commentary. And I, and I was going to say, I do think both of the movies have something to say about those Absolutely. political things for sure. Um, but it, 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 the success of them is that they are just like good fucking movies that mm-hmm. are really well made and, and good stories that are really well told. When I always talk about Hidden Figures, a yeah. movie that, that was very successful, it's a very likable movie, but it didn't work for me because it seemed so... It's Remember the Titan Syndrome, yeah. where it's so hinged upon really bringing home what is inarguably a good message and and inarguably well-intentioned and, and even though I'm talking shit on my part, well-received. <laughs> yeah. But there is no movie in Hidden Figures. Right. And so to the, then it becomes a failure, whereas Get Out, like... That hit me hard on the level of of ways, just on the level that it's relevant socially. Yeah, but that's a great horror movie just, that yeah. even if we reach that utopia, I'm gonna put that back on again. Totally, because it's still gonna be relevant. Yeah, Good. that's so cool. Yeah, Wonder Woman did that too. And I, I think both those movies, like uh, in the same way you're saying, that if we reach the utopia, they also speak to their time very well. So mm-hmm. they will like hold up, I think, as like great sort of like capsules of like, wow, look at how people were feeling. Mm-hmm. You know. They have their cake. They eat yeah. it too, and then they give the cake to everyone else, and they get to eat it. Yeah. Cake for everyone. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good pretty stuff. incredible. <laughs> That's my review for Wonder Woman. <laughs> cake it's for everyone. cake for everyone. <laughs> and who doesn't like cake? Yeah, we so, even have gluten free cake if you if you're into that. <laughs> we have cake for everyone. Yes. Uh, so the reason we're talking about Wonder Woman <laughs> is to honor Wonder Woman. Uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about was uh, a movie with a, a strong female lead that is sort of kind of about strong women. Uh, part of the reason we're talking about that, this all just happened to coincide really magically. Uh, Amanda yeah, Taylor. Yeah, this is kind of a, this is chance completely, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's amazing. Uh, Amanda Taylor, who has actually been a guest on the show before. She's but our Point Break episode. Yes, uh, is uh, also just a, a big fan of the show and a listener. Uh, sent us an email. I'm going to sort of read parts of it. I don't. She probably doesn't even want me to read the whole thing, but uh, she said, hey, dudes, you guys seem uh, to like action movies a lot, and that's always been a favorite genre of mine. So the fact that men mostly lead those films has affected my entire personality. Uh, when I was younger, my friends and I would say I had a boy brain, generally because of the media I consumed. Uh, in my head, I was clearly Bruce Willis, I was Jason Statham, or I was a less likable Will Smith, uh, extremely speeding around in my car after every movie let out. Uh, she said she started noticing how much more uh, she would relate to action movies with a female lead, and it's only happened in the last five or ten years. Uh, because I think there just aren't many quality action-y films with female leads being widely released before. Uh, I didn't even know I was missing out. Uh, it's so clear to me now I wouldn't have such gender confusion if I had been watching the same kinds of movies with leading women who were smart and fast and fun, like all those dudes I loved. Now I'm just hoping the future holds an Emily Blunt transporter reboot. That's oh, a fucking 
killer idea. That's a great idea. That's an amazing idea. Uh, So she suggested a handful of movies that she considered like action-y movies that star women. And uh, from that list, we chose Hannah, which neither of us had seen before. Mm. And uh, I would now just like to take at least one minute of our podcast to personally thank Amanda Taylor for recommending Hannah to us because I can't believe I fucking slept on this movie for so long. This is one that when it came out, I heard was good. Yes, I don't too. think I heard a single bad nope. word about it, and it just it 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 went by me. Yeah, I, it was in and out of the theaters before I had a chance to yep. see it, and then I just never saw it. Never had. I had a copy downloaded at one point, uh-huh. and never ended up watching yep. it. It was just always something that I never put on. It's always like I want to watch that. Yeah, it was like I hear that's good. Yeah, I've literally never heard anything bad. I'm saying literally so much tonight, <laughs> and I'm I'm stopping that you right now. Literally, I've said literally so many. Yeah, I've probably said it literally. Yeah. Including that one, probably about six times. I would say. I think. Yeah. I don't. Know. Okay, I'm not going to count them all back. Yeah. Can you run the tape? No. Um, are we using tape? Can you run the tape? That are we using tape? I, I wish that these do did have magnetic tape. Do MP3s run back? Is yeah. No. This is one that that I can't believe it was slept on because if you yeah. know the sensibilities of our show, Dude. and you've seen this movie, then you understand why it's kind of like leaving us. It's John Wick starring a little lady. Yeah. I, 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 who is now like an Oscar-nominated yes. actress. Yeah. But in this, she's... So, whose name is Saoirse Ronan? Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse Ronan. Yeah, uh, that's, that's what I've been told by someone who... I, I, tr- I have a trusted source on this. Yes. Former guest of the show, Emily Martin. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Saoirse Ronan, uh, who was great in this movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. I like really liked her. And I realized, like, oh, like I kind of forgot that she had kind of like come up as somewhat of a child actress. Uh, and I, I was like, I was like, oh, I totally get why she was just like immediately like kind of an attention grabbing uh, uh, force because she just She's like good. she pops off the screen like she really like has such a unique look, uh, but also is like just I don't know something about her per- her performance is very gravitational. Well, see, like that was one of the things with Brooklyn, which came out last year. Yeah, I didn't Got see that. I heard that's great. It's it's a movie with almost no stakes. Yeah, it's very very. It's basically this girl making a choice that. Of course, it's tough emotionally, but both lead to just like it's a good choice. Yeah, either one you make is good. Okay, but it's a really good movie, and she gives a very subtle performance. Mm -hmm. And it seems weird to call Hannah subtle, but I think it is a subtle performance. I would agree because she goes for you know short of any of the the big bombastic action, Mm -hmm. um, just the way she speaks to other characters. Yes, and ranging from you know uh, a girl who's raised in isolation by her dad and the way she interacts with him the way she interacts in the real world, the way she interacts with strangers and also with her victims, it's the same character, but all of them are a different shade of that. Yeah. And it comes through in her face. It comes through. It's weird to see a kid be so intuitive in a way that I still don't even feel I'm personally at yet. (laughs) Yeah. And she has that there. It's just the mark of a good child actress. Yeah. She, I mean, I feel like every scene she is conveying so much without having to perform Mm-hmm. That much, if that makes sense. It's the subtleties in her face. Yeah, she's able to not look like she's waiting for the next line. So right. when she reacts to something someone says, it just feels real. Yeah, it's never a big, you know, uh, mugging reaction. Right. It's just it, it just looks like she's hearing what they said for the first time. Yeah, Man, I really liked her in this, and I, I've only seen her in a handful of things, but I, I a handful of things. Uh, but I, I liked her in this a lot. Uh yeah I I was like super this movie the you and I both had the same reaction to just the opening the the very first scene just as it was happening we were both like ooh we like these shots ooh this is exciting ooh this editing is great ooh I like the pace 
and then it did that fucking like genre grindhouse movie like violence smash cut to title and we were we were both and like it's a big oh. like not poorly designed but uh almost like extra boldly designed title card yes there's not a lot of style to it in terms of like oh they put a it, it looks sloppy and yep. you know and the way that it's just supposed to kind of sock you yeah but even before that in the pre-title card sequence yes. it has that exploitative feel but it seems more refined and yeah. more dreamy yeah and kind of in a way that like like later danny boyle feels yeah well, and it's got, uh, you know, the movie has these sort of fairy tale themes to it a little bit. Mm. And so I think that probably plays into it is that we are supposed to almost have this weird reverse Disney princess thing going on. Mm. So we get introduced to this almost like, you know, a uh, little ice kingdom in the beginning. You know, it does have a dream kind of like quality to it. It's kind of that's interesting, especially because by the time you get to the end, you're almost doing like a Alice in Wonderland type thing where you're really mm. getting into some heavy like uh, dreamlike imagery. Like you actually thought it was a dream when we got to that scene. With, At one uh, point, I thought maybe well, because I mean we'll get there when we get there. Yeah. But that's kind of the moment where she first starts. Um, if she's a superhero, her weakness is civilization. Yeah, because yeah. it's so distracting to see these yes. things. So at that point, I was ready to buy that maybe she's because yes. she does not seem to be the type of person who daydreams. She right. sleeps with one eye open, right. literally. Yes. Uh, uh. And, um, no, but I believe she does. Yeah. And, um, well, that's they make a big thing of that, and that's one of the first things that happens in the movie. Uh, her dad says you were, you you were tired, uh, you you know you can't uh, you need to even when you're sleeping you need to be awake. He says mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, he li- so he literally tells her to sleep with one eye open. Well, no, he doesn't literally. He tells well, her literally that she needs to be awake even when she's asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I want to save that word, and it's it's been dead forever. Yeah, yeah. I want to save it. I know because there's there are so I used many to do- words. To mean figuratively. Yes. And then we took like the one word that uh-huh. means literally and made it say figuratively. I did, remember that joke I used to do yeah. about it? Oh, where yeah. I would just it was great. Densely use literally and figuratively over and over again it's interchangeably. Yeah. Not your joke. No, thing. yeah. I, <laughs> David Cross does that great bit about and he did it before it became a joke. Yeah. So he was the first. He was like, people go, oh, man, I literally shit myself. And yeah. I'm like, well, what did you do? Like, <laughs> did you get new pants or yeah. did you clean up your shit? And they're yeah. like, no, I literally shit myself. Yeah, well, what did you <laughs> do after you shit your pants? Yeah. So true. Anyway, yes. Hannah. That's all right. Uh, I... So Joe Wright, I don't know that I've ever seen another Joe Wright movie. Joe Wright has made some good movies. Yeah. Um, the one that I really love is Atonement. That's what I've heard. Uh, Atonement is very, very good. Yeah. And it's uh and it's uh I learned this today. Atonement is written by the guy who wrote The Good Son. Oh. And um Interesting. I love that movie. And you should see where I'm going with that. Yeah. But uh Yeah. The uh Joe Wright makes really good movies. He also makes movies like uh Pan. I believe it was just called Pan. Yeah. Which I didn't I didn't pan that movie. <laughs> it's not a great movie, yeah. but it's one of those where you're like, oh, they got some kind of do his own thing director to make a big budget movie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he took the money and put his effort into it yeah. very much, but yeah. it's not Yeah, it doesn't great. come together. But thinking after watching Hannah and watching this, I, I see I see some connections in that style. He's, yeah. He's kind of circusy. Well, yeah, I, I, I was... Um in, I mean, it's a weird thing to say because sometimes you and I are not a fan of this, but there is a frenetic energy to this. You know what it is? No, this is why we like it because it frenetic. We don't like. Tell me why I like this movie. Kinetic. 
We don't like frenetic. We like kinetic. Absolutely. And that's what this is. It's not a movie that's trying to hide its visuals from us right. or hide anything from us. Yeah. It's very much showing us everything it wants, to, wants us to see, but it has a sense of like sleight of hand to it. Yeah. Where we're only getting, and this is something I talk about a lot, yeah. we're only getting the information it wants. Like we never have more or less information than it wants us to have. Yeah. My big problem with Shaky Cam is that we're actually getting less information than it's insisting we're getting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and That's a I really good that. way to put it. Because it, it, it's like, we're showing you this fight. And it's yeah. like, I don't I don't. Look how crazy this are. is. I can't tell, actually. Oh, good. Optimus is standing at the end. He was the one I wanted to win, you know? And yeah. like, that's, yeah. it, it is what it is. But yeah. Yeah, that this gives you exactly as much as you need at mm-hmm. really any moment. Yeah, uh, so much so that you know, even even the way that they reveal, like when someone's following somebody, mm-hmm. it's just a quick, small visual that yep. never stops the camera or nope. shows any sort of irony. Nope. We know right as Eric Bana knows, or yeah. right as uh, Sir Sharona knows. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of um, really fun. I don't even know how to describe it, but like these these just. Um, the camera is always, I feel like, moving so fast for that. I mean, he he really does do a good job of kind of like every once in a while he takes a breath. You know, mm-hmm. there are quite a few scenes throughout the movie where the movie kind of like takes his time to breathe. But when the movie is moving, it's really moving, and the camera is always moving, but it's always revealing new information constantly mm-hmm. in really like kind of interesting ways. There's the movie makes a big deal of sort of characters literally just kind of like popping on and off screen. Mm-hmm. They sort of like appear from out of nowhere and then disappear back into the shadows frequently. It speaks to how natural it like we are the camera in a way in any movie. Yeah. And the way that that movie is shown to us is through our eyes. So yeah. it's whatever we see at that moment. And so many times it's easy to to kind of clash against a movie that is showing you something that that you can't really see. Yeah, you know that that isn't a natural like. We're oh, that was incredible. Yeah, but there's no poetry to it unless it feels like you are the camera, and so here there is a lot of stylized stuff, mm-hmm. but never to the point where I feel separated from the camera. And I think right. that's a line that very few people can walk, and short of the couple. Smashes to uh, night vision. That yeah, was it wasn't crazy. Maybe for about a minute. I, I they just don't did like a couple that things. stuff. But that never works for me. But yeah. I think now I'm hitting upon the reason why is I don't have night vision. <laughs> yeah. And so when it gets there, it just, it, yeah. I suddenly feel like I'm watching it on yeah. a screen as opposed to being there. And he, to his credit, he uses it mostly for tension very briefly, yes. you know, yeah. to sort of create that. It's actually one of the early instances of him creating that cacophony of the modern world, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but th- yeah, that that is true. That could yeah. be argued because at that point we have only seen their log cabin existence, right? And so to see that is like you know, it's uh, shit's uh, getting modern. Yeah, yeah. And and it, it, it tells us kind of when it's taking place to some. Oh, to for some sure, degree, actually, because you know? there was a moment in the beginning of the movie when I was like, I actually don't really know when this is taking place mm-hmm. necessarily. We hadn't seen guns yet. We right. hadn't really seen any TVs or anything like that. There were yeah. no phones. They live very primitively. It's really not until the uh, the the book of science gets introduced yeah, that yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So this is like kind even of that's like kind of a dated book. Could be the sixties or the seventies. Mm. Which uh, to, uh, th- that's actually maybe a good place to go with this movie. Is one of the things you said early on was like, oh, this has like a bit of like a seventies exploitation feel. Mm. And w- exploitation or not, I really think it's got the feel of the of something from the seventies, like. That well, era of movies where they're you could kind of make a movie about whatever you wanted, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and so we got these very expedient, sort of like kind of wild stories, like Taxi Driver and stuff. Well, and it, it becomes about the camera work because it's we can't buy a special effect. Right. But if I can 
if I can dance with this camera in my hand, I'm gonna make you know I'll 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 trick you into thinking yeah. that it's more dynamic that I'm a better filmmaker than I am. Yeah. And when that meets actual classical form, you know we don't get the shaky cam. We right. get we get something that that is a movie. Oh yeah. And it is unquestionably a movie movie where it's using the you know to some uh kaleidoscopic thing but it, it never feels divorced from from my eye he's using everything he has to make like a very exciting action-packed mm-hmm. movie and he achieves it in a huge way with very little mm-hmm. uh, e- even by way of like you know I, I am a big fan of of movies that probably were pretty cheap to make but have like great choreography or have good like exploitation you know. is that it's it's rough around the edges because they don't have the resources right. and as a result it ends up being as you said an expedient production yeah that's just we got to squeeze in whatever flair we can with what we've got yeah and it, I mean like you and I were making a lot uh, as we were watching it of for the most part these very sort of natural seeming locations mm-hmm. uh, that are really distinct. And really, like the by the end of it, they're literally at like an abandoned theme park that I'm fairly confident is a real bit. I don't think they built a set. I do a little research on that. I I bet bet that's a real abandoned theme park, Uh, and it's a it's a really fantastic, fantastical uh, location that looks very real and feels very natural and feels like he just found a great location to do what he wanted and a location that also speaks to the themes of the movie. That's the other thing. It's like Mm -hmm. there are all these like great seemingly natural settings that are very exciting to look at and look like something you would have to spend a lot of production money on that I don't think they did because they seem found that also speak like a lot to the themes of the movie. Absolutely. (laughs) Which is super impressive. Like that's like, you know, locate, you know, we don't talk about the art of location scouting on this show very often, but like it is an art. And this was one of the movies that like, well, it's an art that doesn't actually so often happen anymore. Yeah. Because we can build a location and yeah. And we can make, and the for the most part, we're going where the tax cuts are. We're not going exactly. where the best place to shoot the scene is. We're going where the tax cuts are, or we're going to paint it in a, uh, you know, in a computer. Yeah. And, and a lot of that looks great. And yeah. Is yeah. Absolutely. Very seamless. Yeah. And it's a resourceful way to, to make a movie. Exactly. But yeah. I, that's actually one of the things that I loved about the mummy is that even because uh, it's it's I'm gonna say it's not a great movie yeah. but I really had a good time with it yeah and there are just pieces of set that blow up yeah and there are some places that feel like they're real places not all of them but you know that's always exciting but because I miss it it's enough to save a movie like the mummy which is probably not great right and make it so watchable because it was just man I I haven't seen something like this yeah yeah you know, it's and that, I mean, I had that feeling throughout Hannah entirely. Uh, it really feels like a movie that was mostly shot on the kid. There's a couple things where it feels like they might have like done some, maybe some green screeny stuff, whatever. But they, the, for the most part, it feels like it was shot on real locations. Mm-hmm. And that adds so much gravity to what, you know, feels very big, but is ultimately like pretty minor probably in how they had to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I love that tunnel sequence in the beginning when she's escaping from the CIA facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was very much a, and I wish I knew their names, but I don't. It was very much like a John Wick type sequence. It's got all these like, um, and this was before John Wick, by the way, but it's got all these like neon lights. You know, it's got the, uh, there were all those just for no reason at all, those flashing neon lights throughout those tunnels. It had a night, so like much a aesthetic value. Aesthetic, yeah. yeah. Well, and even when she's crawling through the tunnels and that, yeah. they do a couple fun things where. Really great I cuts. Do, I don't get the architecture of that. Right. But at no point did I feel like. There's so many times Alien Three was a great example yeah. where there's people going through tubes, and because I don't get the architecture, it's a huge problem. You're like, who is where? Who's and, where? And, what? And, yeah, there's nothing. This didn't give me any of the architecture, but never once did I feel 
you know, lost because of it. Well, it's also a, a pretty straightforward thing, right? Like, all we need to know about that is she started inside and she's trying to get outside. Yeah, and exactly. she doesn't know the geography of it exactly, either. She's yeah. just trying to get out. So it actually again, functions that makes well. You the camera, a little yeah. Bit. Yep. But they do a couple cool shots. The one that really stood out to me is she's crawling directly toward the camera, yep. and then just you know disappears in the same yeah. frame, and then she crawls in from you know the side uh, of that frame. And it's not confusing. It very clearly suggests that she came to two identical turns from yep. two different angles. But it also adds to that, and I'll I'll say Danny Boyle again. Yeah, kind of nightclub style. Yeah, it's wild. It it, it had a, a bit of a uh, there was like a bit of a refin quality to some of it to mm-hmm. me. Uh, it it definitely had a John Wick thing going on. Like I I would be interested to hear those guys talk about. I feel like refin is just. Uh, Hustler magazine presents uh what's his name? Uh Danny Boyle. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. what Refin is. He's yeah. just oh Danny Boyle, but he found some meth. Yeah. yeah. So he's like he's been to some darker places. Yeah. Well, and there's uh there's some Basson to this, I would say too. Oh, absolutely. There, there's very much a, a Luc Basson thing. Well going that comes on here. in in the in the kind of carnival aspect of yes. it. Yes. Because we do get literally to a carnival, but yep. There is, you know, becomes a fairy tale, and I think that that yeah. uh, the professional feels fairy taleish to me. Yeah. And uh, actually, and that's another uh, another badass, badass uh, lady, lady I know, assassin I, I, child. I, I couldn't put it on my list because I've never seen the professional. Uh, I, I couldn't put it on my list because I couldn't remember whether I had seen the professional or Leon the professional. Ah. And I, I just don't remember a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. But it is what it is. Yeah. I keep saying that too. <laughs> but um, uh, so it goes. Yeah. I think with with Hannah, what got me about it was I, I in my head I figured that it would be a post Kill Bill, uh, you know, pre Lucy and things like that. Yes. But like a post Kill Bill, that kind of movie where you go, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's obviously they found a foreign director and gave uh-huh. him a studio picture. And I, I actually don't know the story of it, but now that I've seen it, I don't feel like it was that at all. No, yeah. It really subverted my expectation while sure. also delivering exactly what I like about those movies. Yeah. But it didn't carry any of the flaws of those movies. No, it, this, I mean, yeah, actually, if I'm really thinking about it, like, I, I don't even really have any complaints uh, about Hannah. Like, there's nothing I could point to in this movie that it's like, ah, that didn't work for me, or if they had smoothed this story point over... Or if they had given me more of this character, or if they like, I I can't think of anything in this movie that like didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. The th- the green screen is literally the only thing. Yeah, used literally properly. That time. yeah, yeah. That's the only thing that really took me out. Yeah. At any other point, I was pretty on board. I was like really into this the whole time, and it. it the, I mean, so one of the things that I really liked about this, from just like a filmmaking standpoint, is the editing is absolutely incredible the whole time. There's nothing but clean cuts. There's no, no transitions. It's not almost a one. all smash cuts. Mm-hmm. It's like I mean, you are just constantly dropped into the middle of scenarios that you don't know much about, and you just learn about with Hannah, basically, uh, which is really exciting and really fun but he also then all of a sudden in the middle of the movie drops a three minute one take of eric bana eventually in a really great choreographed fight sequence that starts like outside of a bus station goes through the bus station goes to the other side of the but like he just and it doesn't interrupt the movie either. no uh, the, and for a movie that it has just as much energy be, as the fast yeah. cutting stuff that's been going absolutely, on absolutely absolutely and for a movie that ultimately becomes about it becomes a character study yes. about Hannah and it almost is her like a coming of up. age story basically it, it is a coming that's of age essentially story, what it, a doubt. yeah but it's also that action movie yes. and they never interrupt each other no. and i think that's a problem with 
the movie that I thought it would be. Yeah, that was one of the things that I thought I would be uh, resistant to. Yeah, I was. And kinda, then I didn't have to be. I know. I was like worried that it would get itself kind of bogged down in that second act um, coming of age stuff. But mm. it does. I was like just as fascinated by that, and it also still had the same energy of the movie. Like it just kept moving. You should see Atonement. Yeah, because. He did Atonement. He did like I think he did the Pride and Prejudice. Uh, right. I, I was. I'm pretty sure those movies Pride share. And Prejudice, yeah. Anna Karenina. Yeah. Right. Uh, he did all of those movies. Yeah. And uh, Atonement is really good because it's kind of fucked up. Oh, it's like decidedly sly. Yeah. But it's it's a lot of people in cornfields talking to one each to one yeah, another. Yeah. And uh, I mixed one another and each other. I said one each other. Oh, that's pretty uh, good. <laughs> one. They're talking to one each other. Yeah. And uh, but it. it it's riveting. Yeah. And so he's obviously got a skill for that. Yeah. Uh, the scene where uh, Hannah is talking to her young lady friend that she met of the funniest fucking family. D- dude, <laughs> I couldn't believe how much legit comedy was yeah. in this movie. Like, it really worked for me, too. Uh, but y- yes, continue, because that scene was... Well, it's it's just that kind of thing where he knows how to have... He knows how to frame two people in close quarters speaking to one yeah. another without it feeling like, I know where this is going, get to the point, let's get some more kick-ass going. That scene was so exciting That's one of the best scenes in the movie, yeah. and it's just alive. It's super intimate in, in, in a way that, like... Atonement is so good. <laughs> dude, it, that scene was so intimate in a way that the rest of the movie is not, and decidedly so, and that's why that scene becomes so important and feels so interesting and unique amongst the rest mm. of the movie. Uh, and, and it, I don't, oh man, I don't know what it was about that scene, but something about, again, the way it was edited, the way it was put together, it just kept getting tighter and tighter and tighter and more and more intimate to the point where like, I really felt like I understood how these girls felt about each other mm-hmm. and why they were so important to each other in this weird crossroads yeah. oh, moment absolutely. that they were each having in their lives, you know? Uh, that was like, and and that mo- that part of the movie is a distinct departure from what has come before and what will come in the movie. Mm-hmm. But it still feels so much of the movie. Like, it still very much feels like it fits into the movie, and it doesn't feel like the movie's taking a break to go there and do that. Uh, there was a scene that I dreaded for, that I was thinking was going to be like a take-a-break scene. Yeah. And it is pretty much a expository scene. Yeah. And it's when Eric, yes. played by Eric, yes. is basically just saying, this is what you are, Hannah. Yeah. And yeah. this is what... This is what the stakes have been for the last hour and a half, people at home. Yes. And because the way that it is laid into the theme of the movie, it never feels like that. And even anticipating that and getting ready to to close off to it, I didn't have to. I knew that scene was coming. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you and I kind of even figured out pretty early on, like, I bet this is kind of like what's going on. And that was essentially Mostly confirmed right. in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but never to the point where... Pretty much knowing ruined the desire oh, to know. Not at all. I was never bored with it, or, or yeah, and I still wanted to know uh, whether I was not even whether I was right, but I just wanted to know like what was going mm-hmm. on, and it was not disappointing to find out that's what was going on. Um, but that scene, despite knowing that scene was coming, hearing him actually say out loud and to her face, and he he actually doesn't use these words, but I, I you know. This is what he means is like, I know you don't understand this right now, but I am your father. Yeah, yeah. Carried so much huge weight for me. Like, Mm -hmm. I knew that scene was coming, but I did not necessarily know that's what that scene would be about. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. I knew he was going to have to explain all this to her. We were going to get all this explanation about, like, I'm not really your dad, but, like... I didn't really know. I think the way that they did that was we we at that point did not know whether or not he's the father. Right. At that point, we did get uh, 
what was her name? Marissa? Marissa, uh, yeah. Kate Blanchett. Yeah, she had revealed. She she said, said everybody, everybody thinks that yeah. he's the fucking father. Right, yeah. You know, and, and kind of, but, you know, we still don't really know what's up at that point. Yeah, right. And we don't have any reason to trust her when she says that. But instead of him saying, no, I'm not your father, but right. he says, and because this is a big moment when she yeah. was like, you're not my dad, are you? And he, he's like, just sit down. She's like, are you my dad? He's like, sit down. He's yeah. like, everybody goes, of course I'm your father. Yeah. Because yeah. to him, it's a foregone conclusion. Yeah. And then as we chip away at that, where, and I, I remember being impressed with the way the line was written. He said, I've been with you your whole life. He says, I've been with you your whole life. And he says, um, I raised you like you were my, my own flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. And then she says, but that's the very thing. I'm not. I'm not your flesh and blood. Yeah. And that was such a... And, and what's what that spoke to me about is the fact that he really did raise her to be uh, quite good with diction. Ten yeah. times better than yeah. I'm being right now. Right. And she... That's such an interesting way to say it of, you know, but that's just the thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. And so that... Yeah. It said so much about how, yes, he is her father because he raised her to be quite an elegant young yeah. adult. Yeah. But also, like, it drove home the fact, that, like, yeah, that is true. He has to admit he is not her father. Right. And, and the you know, uh, it is that, oh, man, it's that, like, heartbreaking thing that, like, the older I get, I understand more and more of, like, no, but I raised you. And then from her, like, no, but you lied to me. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's that, it, it's like that thing of, like, this generational thing of, like, I did what I had to do because this is what matters and you don't get it right now. And then, like, yeah, but the thing that you did to do that matters to me so much. Absolutely, yeah. Like, and you don't get that, you know? Mm. Like, uh, that scene really worked for me in a huge way. Even though I knew it was probably, you know, it's pre- we're probably getting to this. Absolutely. It still just worked in, like, a huge way. And then they literally fight. They literally, <laughs> they literally fist fight. And I love that this movie establishes a world and a language in which it's just like, yes! Like, we get to watch... This surrogate father and this daughter literally throw down over the. I just said mm. literally the way you've been using it. Like, but throw they do. down she over this notion. She throws them a goddamn table. Yes, and it's like <laughs> that is the kind of thing where it's like if you've ever, and I think almost everybody does, struggled with your parentage, regardless of what that means. Mm. Uh, like that's the that's the thing you dream of. You know, it's like you you have this weird kind of like fantasy about that, right? Like the actual defeating your parents, mm-hmm. uh, and and they it literally gets to be acted out in this movie in a way that it like actually like contextually works. You know, actually thinking about this scene. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna try and describe this, please. But uh, from a script level to a fight choreography level to yes. even just the way this movie is shot. Yes. Because one of the things that was so impressive about how this movie is shot is. As we said, the reveal of information. As the camera's moving, we will see a hitman hiding behind a pillar, and yes. it just passes through the yes. camera. And so, you know, we're we're only let to have as much in that moment. Yeah. Same thing in the script where we watch as he says, I, I am your dad, I am your father, I am your father. Yeah. And he has to slowly let out that information. Yeah. Um, to her, you know, as it's yeah. parsed out to not flesh and blood, well, no, not flesh and blood. Yeah. But then we look at the choreography and if he really opened up, he would probably totally own her, even yeah. though she is enhanced. Yeah, yeah. But even that choreography there is just her trying to get him to fucking hit her and get yeah. that. And yeah. he is, he's not. He's he's, he's literally protecting it's completely her. defense and not, yeah. you know, in the way that's choreographed. It's, it's amazing how much information we glean from just the way that... Uh, I, I think there's a parallel there is what I'm trying well, to say. Well, uh, you're totally right because it, in the choreography, what you can feel is I des- from him, I deserve this. Mm-hmm. Like, you, I, I get why this is, I get why you're fighting me right now and I almost deserve for you to fight mm-hmm. me like this. 
but I need to protect me from that, and I need to protect you. So I can protect you. Because I need to, and I also need to protect you from like, I know you need to fight me right now, and you should fight me right now, and I deserve to be fought by you right now, but you'll also fucking kill me because of how you feel right now, and you're not going to feel that way, and like, like, Mm. you'll regret that. Like, I also need to protect you from from you in this moment, because you'll do something you regret in response to this. He has the wisdom she doesn't get. Yeah. 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 Like... Oh, I loved that. I like really, really loved that. Mm-hmm. That I, I, um, well, one, and yeah, and so that li- that's kind of where I meant to go. Yeah, Literally go. in the fight, he's trying to protect her uh-huh. and just using every defense he has. And even in the preceding conversation, his first thing is, "No, I am your dad." Yes, and then he has to, you know, she's chipping down those defenses yeah. where it's like. I did the right thing, yeah, and it was wrong, but I did the right thing, and you you can't possibly understand it. Yeah. So I just need to protect myself from you, protect you from yourself, yeah. and kind of protect what what is the greater good that you can't see. Yeah, and that that's so well, that, and it uh, also gives you this context for the whole movie you've been watching of like. I haven't been because you and I were having this discussion early in the movie. I think he's preparing her for a mission. I don't know. Is it a mission or is he preparing her to just like go enter the real world? Mm. And it kind of turns out it's both, but the reality is the mission is basically just like what he kind of reveals to her in that is like, I I raised you so that, because I knew this day would come that you needed to just be in the world and be be a a person. Like like, through raising you, I learned that you're not an experiment, you're a person and and you deserve to have a life in the world and what the day is going to come when you want that and you should go get that. But because you're this experiment, like, Somebody's gonna come after you, and they're prop and they're gonna try and kill you. And so, if you want to live in that world, I also need to prepare you for this inevitability mm. too. And it's kind of this like tragic, heartbreaking, like all of this preparation that kind of stole your childhood from you was so that you could just go be and try and get it back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's crushing in a way. Ugh, it hurts. Yeah, and I so I wonder like. Uh, one thing we haven't really talked about is like just Hannah as a character in this movie. This movie as a movie uh, about a strong young woman, and and because the movie kind of is interesting in that regard, I think because she, you know, a lot of it is her. She's being raised by her father to be this sort of weapon, uh, and so the movie tr- and she does. You know, she is a quote unquote experiment where they quote unquote try to enhance her in some way to be like a perfect soldier. Mm-hmm. Um and then it becomes a coming of age story too about like a girl going out into the world and learning about the world and learning what it is to be a woman in the world to some extent mm-hmm. uh, and and what she wants and desires. Um I don't know. I'm I'm curious because I, I feel like I got so wrapped up in the exploitation movie of it all that I sort of forgot to think about it as like a oh this is like a movie about women and young women mm-hmm. and and maybe their struggles and what they go through. But I ultimately got more out of the sort of like father daughter thing in the movie and the exploitation nature of it than I did like that aspect of it. And mm. I, I'm curious to kind of like talk about it and hit that angle since that's kind of at least where I mean, Amanda was coming oh, absolutely. from with it. The the theme that I drew from it was just how time affects things. Yeah. Entropy happens. Yes. Um the the third act of this movie takes place in what is a broken down theme park. Right. It used to be a beautiful fantasy land. A wonderful land. fantasy land. It was yeah. a dream childhood would be to spend time there. Yeah. And time just turned it into something not so magical. It, it happens scary to everybody. Even. Yeah. Our imagination just goes. Yeah. We get more stuff to and so uh there in my experience, you know, one of the strangest things is to look back and go, "Man, I I got mature. Yeah. You know, it, it happened. Time happened. And when asked about why he was letting her out in the world and, you know, got the 
set off the the uh, the beacon which led off their location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when asked directly, why did you do? Why now? Yeah. He says, "Yeah, kids grow up. Kids grow up. You know, that was the best so line in the like, movie. It's good. That's the best line in the movie. Yeah. Kids grow up. It ha- and it's just and that's his whole explanation. She can't for be a kid everything. forever, yeah. but she's still she's still a kid. We got to save yeah. some of that. So the only way I can relate it to the being female thing is I think generally that is the it's time for you to grow up is something that we push upon women as a culture a little bit earlier. Yeah, and so by making yeah, it a boys female will be boys is something that kind of can last well, an entire a, man's life. If we made it is... a boy character, and this this speaks to a little bit to the other end of things. If we made it to a boy character and he was being trained to kill, there's a little bit of well, that's what you're supposed to do. Oh yeah, right. And if it's a female character, it's we have to save her so she can have a normal yeah. life. And but then also in real life, as soon as you're able to have a kid it's like hey listen little lady you're not a kid anymore and it's time that you act mature right and boys will be boys you right know? so i think it does relate to it in that it's a really good point yeah but, but like I, you know i probably not the best person to speak on it but no, we're no, the no. only two here i so. know that's actually a really interesting good point because like we do uh, you know um one of the things that i think women have to deal with is literally daily violence uh mm. and you know it depends on how you qualify violence but um women are are there's a threat most women i know live under constant threat mm-hmm. uh and uh hannah the movie like literalizes that H- hannah lives under a constant like she and is basically raised by a father who is like you're about to enter a world where you just because you're you yeah you're a little less safe than me are gonna be not safe at all times mm. I am going to make the decision to sort of rip your childhood from you to make sure you're safe mm. from those threats. I that might be the whole like that might be the whole thing right there why this is so interesting and appealing for maybe a woman to watch is like that's my I'm watching my life on screen. Mm-hmm. It's like I I I had to sacrifice so much just because I'm a woman well, we just va- to survive we culturally value and fetishize female innocence. Yes. And as a result, we actually almost lose the beauty of it. Yeah, um, everybody's innocent. You yeah, know, but we yeah. value, you know, but before being corrupted, and we value that innocence so much. But as a result, it becomes a taking away of it, where it's like I'm trying to protect you so hard that I'm actually, I'm actually going to end up sort of throwing you into the violence, right? Because we have to preserve you, and it's like she doesn't have, you know. The, the woman I'm referring to, general, like I don't care what your thoughts are about it. Right, you know, right, I, I, right. I have to, and so. I think it ties into that. Yeah, I do care what your thoughts are about it. I was saying. Oh no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think everybody understood you. Were, okay, yeah, cool, yeah. cool. Uh, yeah, you're it's right. Like, I, sure. That that is uh, honestly like a really. I think that that is like such a fascinating read on it that this is just literalizing the sort of like violence that women are just faced with all the time, uh, and the idea that in it, you know uh, one of the ways we try and course correct that is uh, almost backfires in some way, right? Mm-hmm. The sort of trying to prepare you for the scary world might actually take away s- something from you that um, we're basically making choices for. You know, it's essentially Eric yeah. Bana is making choices for this woman that she should rightfully make herself, you know? Absolutely. Um, oh, man. Yeah, that that is really interesting. But to compare it back to Wonder Woman, yeah. that's something that's very specific. And uh, it, I guess the term is gendered. Yeah. But at the same time, as a male, the theme of... You know, it, uh, innocence goes away. Yeah. It just does. Yeah. Uh, entropy it happens. evaporates. Things it's, fall apart, yeah. and you have to be ready for that. Yeah. And that is, uh, that, uh, that's one of the things that killed me about It Follows. That's why it resonates with me so much. Yeah. Because that movie, 
I, I think people miss the point when they say that it's just the same old sex morality play right. in horror. Right. But to me, it's just about if you're making adult decisions, there are adult consequences. Yes. And it's that loss of, of innocence that we've all faced. And I think the trade is good. Adulthood rules. Right, yeah. But there's bigger stakes at play at all times. I that that resonates to me is that when I see that that broken down theme park, yeah, I think how sad. Yeah, that was so perfect at one point. Yeah, when I see an adult dickhead and yeah. I go, how sad that was a baby, that was a a, a glowing baby, yeah. you know, baby yeah. boy at some point. That's something that resonates with everybody, and I think is what really hit me most about this movie. But I would imagine Amanda watches it. Doubly so. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's I, cool. It, it's so interesting that it it's might... It's a universal theme that can be pinpointed or no and works. Yeah. And it's accurate to both. Yes. Yeah. you know, as Wonder Woman. Yeah. Totally. Uh, before we dip out of talking about this movie, I really would like to talk a little more about that three-minute take with Eric. Oh, absolutely. I think we should talk about the craft of this movie yeah. quite some bit before we go. Yeah. Um, do, yeah. You wanna, do you want to start with that shot in particular? Or yeah, absolutely. Wanna, yeah. I mean, it's it goes through... As we as I was saying, this is a, a movie that is very visually interested, mm -hmm. as well as in the script and all that, of yeah. showing you only as much as you need to know. Yes. But uh, never saying that it's showing you more than it's showing you, and showing you less like Shaky Cam does. And it is thematically rich and uses its visuals to do a lot mm -hmm. of that thematic legwork, kind of. Well, um, this scene starts off with one that... Um, Actually, you know, before we even do it, there's uh, one of the things visually about this movie is that there's a lot of very heavy-handed imagery that yes. should be silly and isn't. Um, when they do the final showdown with the the villain at the end, she's literally standing in a giant crocodile's mouth, yeah. which now I'm thinking that's maybe that's what got him pan. Um, <laughs> uh, in a giant crocodile's mouth, and she has to stare down against this beast and literally be consumed by it to get justice. Yeah. And the villain falls into the crocodile and is so consumed with being a monster that it's, you know, ultimately what brings it's her hurt. down. Yeah. Yeah. So they do things like that. Yeah. And in this three-minute scene, the information that we learn early on is that he is being watched by somebody. Yes. And so we know that because people are looking. But before that, there's just eyeballs everywhere. Everywhere. There's graffiti everywhere. with eyeballs. There are advertisements for glasses, which are just a, a super close-up shot of someone's eyes with glasses on. Mm -hmm. uh, you pointed out graffiti that said what? There was one that said uh, something like uh, "Long Live CCTV," or yeah. But it was you know it was speaking on in England. CCTV was controversial because it's twenty-four-seven surveillance, surveillance yeah. at all times. It's watching. Somebody is watching. Somebody you. is watching. Yeah. Uh, and so th there's just this, um, you, you know, you and I comments. And then the other thing that was, uh, there was graffiti that used Ibis yeah. in it. Or no, it wasn't graffiti. It was the name of the restaurant. Yes. Ibis. Oh, uh, it was and a hotel. I hotel Ibis. Hotel or something Ibis. Like that. Yeah. And, um, where is it? Look at that. Actually, it's a real place. The Hotel Ibis. Yeah. On Wikipedia. But I'm pretty sure that Ibis is, I think it's I in, in Egyptian. So like they're going deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, uh, but so we talked about it as like, uh, we commented on it as like an old boy type sequence. You know, old boy has the famous one take hammer fight, which is much longer than this. This is a three minute take. But, uh, you know, the, and I want to say old boy is like five to eight minutes or something. But the impressive thing about old boy is sort of it's this really impressive one take, highly choreographed shot that moves through one sort of static environment. Uh, I can't find anything about that eye thing, so I might be full of shit. Oh, you could be just, just full of shit. Yeah, I could be completely wrong. Well, that's all right. At least you got that out on the on the air. 
Yeah, uh, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, go for it. Self-correction. Uh, the uh, what is so impressive about this is, as opposed to this sort of like static environment that we spend eight minutes in with some highly, you know, choreographed fighting, it's three minutes through like four different environments. Like the camera follows Eric Bana while he walks all the way through a bus station outside of that bus station onto the street uh, and then down some stairs into what appear to be like a parking garage to mm-hmm. some extent. Uh, and so like we get these three or four distinct environments that the camera the camera never cuts. We go through them with Eric Bana. Uh, the camera moves into certain places that allow us to see there are men watching Eric Bana and then moves into other places that allow us to see that Eric Bana is aware that people are watching him and that he's preparing to fight the people that are watching mm-hmm. him. And then we get down into this parking garage and the camera does this really nice move where it establishes the entire geography of that parking garage because we're about to, without ever cutting, watch Eric Bana fight a bunch of dudes in that parking garage. And Fuck it is fucking awesome. Up. Yeah. It's and it's definitely Bana the whole time. Like yep. because that camera never cuts, we know there's no stunt man there. It's Bana doing this choreography with a bunch of stunt men. It all of it is Excellent. It, it it's actually one of my favorite oneers that, that I can oh, think of right I've now off seen. the top of my head. It, well, and there's all these it's little so dynamic. details too. When he's walking through, cars are passing in front and yeah. behind him at a perfect time. Yes, extras are doing things like they're greeting each other at the bus station. Yep. You know, like couples are getting together. Yep. Um, th- like there's just stuff going on, so it's very hugely choreographed. When they get down into the subway, a dude you know passes by on a skateboard. Yep. But as the camera turns and the henchmen are coming in. I don't even know where they came in. It's right. it's so, but but it's all cleanly choreographed in that lens. Yeah, I actually read a trivia when we were getting ready for the show that they did it in less than ten takes. Whoa! So that's pretty that's good. Very impressive because yeah. it, it really is like it's choreographed in a way. We watched it twice actually because we were just so like enthralled when by. You it. timed it. It was. It, it's like three minutes on the dot. Basically, it's like three oh seven or something like that. But it it it, it is like really impressive when you really look at it because there is so much choreography happening everywhere in the frame. Especially one of my favorite things that happens in it is we pass behind a pillar so that we can see a guy watching Eric Bana. And then oh, he, he picks up his phone and he's like, yes, we got him. Well, uh, yeah. yeah. And it is that guy. But before that happens, so we pass by this pillar and we see that he's hiding behind a pillar watching Bana. Then the camera comes back around to be like in front of Bana. So we can see Bana kind of like looking around, feeling like maybe he's being watched. And then as he feels like he's being watched, he stops and turns around. And then we just see a man, like, the camera just picks up that this man is just pulling his cell phone to his ear. Yeah. And it's and you can tell it's like it's definitely the dude that was behind the pillar before. Mm-hmm. And we lost him in the frame for a second. But when Bonna turns around to look at him, he comes back into frame and is just pulling his phone into it. Like, yeah. you, you, lo- you know so much about what's well, happening. He says, too, that he's a good spy. Too, yes, exactly. He's right behind Bonna. The second time he turns around, he whoop, checks his watch. Checks his watch. You know, yep. and, and it looks natural. Like, yes. It actually looks like if I looked back, I'd be like, well, I wonder if that guy was actually spying or not. It's like so it is so perfectly choreographed that it is that good, but it's also like slightly not that good. We catch just a, like just a hair of a second of him pulling the watch up, of him pulling this up. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it's so it, it's so great. That actually might be the like a one minuscule moment of irony. Yeah. Except that because Eric Bonda doesn't see him pull his watch right. up because that guy's that good. We see a little but bit of irony. We just there, see it. But it doesn't function as irony because no. we know that Bond is good yes. enough to know exactly well, what the fuck is and up. That, one of my favorite moments in the movie is when he unbuttons his jacket. Mm-hmm. Is is because so we're like t- for the first two minutes of this shot. We're sort of watching him. We think he knows he's being watched, but we're not sure. And then 
there's a guy, then they're on an escalator going down, and there's a guy over his shoulder, and he kind of looks a little bit over his shoulder and then looks down and unbuttons his jacket. Mm-hmm. And it's that's the moment when you know, like, oh, he knows. Yeah, he like, knows, and he has weapons. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, well, actually, he's that prepared. wasn't even so much uh, a weapons grab. Because when we first were noting on that scene, yeah. because he's been living in a log cabin in the middle of nowhere, he's like kind of haggard. Yes. The suit doesn't really fit. No. And it's kind of beaten up. His yeah. hair was cut by his daughter, who, you know, doesn't cuts know his hair once about, every few yeah. years. He's crappily shaved. He just, his tie's not tied right. Yep. But when he opens that, it's it's like a release of like, I'm going to fucking, I've got to stretch out and I'm going to need some agility yes. because I'm about to fuck this dude up. Yeah. And he fucks him the fuck up. Dude, and I love the way it moves into just a little bit of slow-mo right at the end of the shot oh, to yeah. give us sort of these glory shots. That's a beautiful piece of choreography. And yeah. I think that might be a moment of CGI. It's with a little bit of digital touch. Yeah. Because it goes into slow motion right as he kind of throws a guy in the path of another dude, uh, shooting him yeah and so that guy's body catches the bullets and then he throws a knife at that, the like, uh, catches that guy in the, sh- yeah, the right, shooter the, the, the shooter shoulder, in the chest yeah. and so they they slowed it down almost just to be like look at what the fuck we put yeah. together but, but it's but also it a big moment incredible where like, damn he's good yeah yeah it, it, and it's incredible stunt work too like the timing of all of it is just it it's awesome mm-hmm. it was like that is a truly awesome moment amongst many awesome moments in this movie what i like is at the end they had to choreograph even where that phone hit the ground yep because it opens with the one dude's and it's actually great because at this point uh bana is behind a, a pole where we yep. can't see him he's behind like the support column and the guy's got his phone he's like we got we got heller yeah and right as he says it eric bana emerges from just behind fucking punch him in the hits face. him so hard yeah. that it just you don't got him yeah yeah there's a, a, a the other big fight scene is in the container. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. The, yeah, the uh, container like chasing uh, each other through the '80s fucking uh, uh, dock. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. the '80s container dock. And there was a shot beforehand that I thought might have been CGI, where they were driving to this area on a bridge, and in the background was kind of a foggy Michael Mannish looking. What could be a skyline, but was just a bunch of containers and cranes. Yeah. And I just thought, what a weird thing to blue screen into this. Is that a detail that you need? And the shot actually looks pretty great. It right. is very Michael Mann like. Why do we need the boxes? But why? Yeah. Well, so that we know later there's going to be a really incredible parkour slash yes, knife stabbery going on uh-huh. in a pretty well choreographed container. Yeah, I like that. Uh, that yeah. was cool. It. A lot of the choreography is not necessarily the best fight choreography I've ever seen, but is actually just very well filmed and edited mm-hmm. so that even though maybe these are not the, the you know, maybe the choreography is not the best, it actually still is like super functional in a very exciting way. Mm-hmm. Uh, which unfortunately, we're in the in the midst of a bunch of movies where the choreography actually appears to be pretty good, but I have no fucking idea yeah, because I... we're cutting around it like shit. Mm-hmm. There's the the one shot that's sticking with me is when she stabs the fuck out of henchman boy. Holy fuck! Suspenders henchman. Yeah, and that is uh, <laughs> that's what the, yep. those guys are. Uh, when I used to do the sex fantasy joke. Yeah, yes, um, yeah. They were sort of what I kind of pictured with the Russian henchman, just yep. more scrappy and Cockney like. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, they were like soccer hooligan versions mm-hmm. of that. But these guys are you know pretty badass for yeah. their in their own right, and she stabs the shit out of one guy. But what's so fun about that scene is that's the moment where her new friend, yes. who is like the typical teenage girl as depicted in this she's, movie. She's almost like like hyper uh, yeah, typical. Yeah, yeah, she's, yeah, she's of the, you know, you when you think like, oh, those teeny bopper kids, she's yeah. exactly that. 
Um, there, we should actually spend some time talking about their very funny <laughs> really family. Funny. Um, but that's a crazy moment because when she shows up, just by nature of the fact that she's not trained, she just looks exposed yeah. and like like a victim. Yeah. And Hannah gets in the way of this guy who's going to attack her when he becomes savvy that they're friends, and she stabs the shit out of him right in the dick. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, in, in some way, oh, yeah. there's an imagery there of yeah. just a, a dude that big in close quarters with a little girl like that just, yep. it automatically rings sirens. It's threatening. And then when we see, you know, this girl who has a uh, ostensibly normal upbringing, mm-hmm. we see her as just, she is going to get hurt. And we see Hannah and go, she's going to fuck this dude yeah. up. And we once again get into that thematic question yeah. of where is the line between yeah. innocence and protection that right. must be drawn for everybody yeah. as, you know, maturity happens. But, but you know, especially women in the world. Women. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. I didn't Another even think... instance where choreography and, and just yeah. thought of where to place the camera ends up tying in thematically. That's a good fucking point. Yeah. Uh, the editing, I think, is the like that is the stylistic thing that I was like so fucking impressed with in this movie. It is just we're constantly in the middle of things that we don't necessarily like. We just get dropped into the middle of scenes. The editing is so fast but so precise that it's all like really clear, and we just pick up information like very easily and quickly throughout every scene. Uh, but it, even uh, in ways where we don't necessarily, we don't know that that's what they're, you know, it's not, it doesn't feel expository. It doesn't feel like they're just, hey, we're delivering information to you. Yeah, now. exactly. You know? Well, we feel like we're the camera. Right. But it, the camera still does things we can't. I, there was actually a few years back when Jurassic World came out. Yes. There was an article on Cracked that I that I loved. Yeah. And, you know, those, those articles are always whatever uh. but there was one where they were talking about why the action in jurassic world didn't work for them mm-hmm. and one of the things was they showed they used just a, a gif file of it of the raptors running through the woods oh yeah and the cameras like dancing in and out of their legs and doing all that and like it's impressive stuff yeah. in that level but because it's doing things that our eye can't do at least in a in a in a physics concept yeah you're divorced from it. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, like, I don't mind a helicopter shot. Of course, I'm not going to see things from that high. Right. But that's something that I could reasonably believe to see, you know? Yeah. It, it doesn't do anything that is beyond the limitations of, of my human body, which is chock full of thetans. But, um, <laughs> it, it, I mean, I'm, I am up to... I'm, I'm My teeth are swimming in thetans. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's... You, you can't... Uh, if you can't become the camera, then the kinetic... The, what was the word you used besides kinetic? Oh, frenetic. The the kinetic filmmaking becomes frenetic. Yeah, and it's it's you're not there. I think I'll never shake as much as a shaky. Michael J. Fox doesn't shake <laughs> as much as a shaky cam. It it doesn't happen. The, I do think like that is an interesting point because I wonder if maybe it's just sort of a decision of perspective, right? It's like when you're making your movie, it's like okay, so is the audience observing these events? Or are they experiencing these events? Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of modern technology has allowed for filmmakers to not have to decide between those two things. Exactly. And yeah. so in a movie like Jurassic World, we get certain things where we're, oh, we're observing this and that's causing tension. Well, now we're experiencing it and that's supposed to cause tension. And the push and pull between those two doesn't necessarily work. I think that's actually, I think you perfectly described why Jurassic Park just kills. Right. It's. I don't think there's ever a camera move in that where I don't feel like I could be there. So you get the wonder, you get the horror. Yeah, yeah. Jurassic World, it's neat. Yeah, yeah. 
but it's a it's a push and pull between those two things. Like, are we observing this or are we experiencing this? And we need to make a decision on that perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, m- m- movie really. I mean, that's what it, it's all about. Perspective. It's that the camera is a perspective on something. Tell yeah. me the story. Yeah. Don't just show. It's it's professors and teachers. Yeah. You yeah. know, like teach me. Yeah. Teach me. And the, that is a great point about really what is so effective about Hannah because uh, we we sort of said this out loud a couple times when we were watching it. Hannah is one of those great movies that teaches you how to watch it. Mm-hmm. Hannah teaches you what its visual language is going to be very quickly and very early and then just sort of exercises that visual language mm-hmm. over and over and uses that visual language to mine things like jokes. Like when she, there's a smash cut to her slamming a skinned rabbit on the table to this totally normal family and going like, I caught dinner. And it, 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 I caught breakfast. Breakfast, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, is, it is a smash cut in a way where this movie is full of smash cuts. It's mm. constantly laying information on you at the drop of a hat very quickly that you don't know you're about to get. And it does that enough that suddenly it is able to do that just as a joke. That mm. just like that, the act of that happening is a joke. And it's only because it's sort of taught us that this is the language of this movie. This is how this movie is going to work and operate. It chooses a specific perspective. Chose a specific perspective. <laughs> yes, that was too many words with R's and S's next to each other all in a row. Uh, that I think allows it to just kind of go like you know you just kind of you fall under its spell very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I like about a half hour in, I kind of realized that's where I was. I was like, oh, I, I now I'm just like I'm in this movie. Like I know exactly what it's doing. There was a point midway through where because this had subtitles throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Um, and we had to turn them off. And yes. then there was a scene where they were speaking in another language yeah. and there was no subtitles. And it wasn't until pretty well into it that you said, oh, we should turn the subtitles on for this so we know what they're saying. Yeah. That I even realized I didn't know what they were saying. Yeah. And not that I didn't wonder what they were saying, but it was just the movie had taught me how to watch it. Yeah. So I was in, you know, I, yeah. I wasn't ready to ask questions to the movie because there was nothing to ask. I agree. Because I, like when they when they were speaking other languages early in the movie... Uh, and there weren't subtitles, I was like, oh, this makes sense to me. They're just illustrating that she knows how to speak other languages. And ultimately, that is what they were doing. Whether mm-hmm. we needed to, you know, whether we knew what they were saying or not, that's what they were illustrating. Uh, and then by the time we got to that scene that you're talking about where we were um, in like a village in, was it Morocco? I think it was Morocco. Yes. I think it was Morocco. They were like in a village in Morocco and she's at maybe like a, a hotel of some kind or something, a place to stay, a place with a bed. And she's talking to this guy that runs it and they're speaking, I would assume, Moroccan, uh, mm-hmm. but a, another language that I didn't know. I, without the subtitles, I didn't know what they were saying, but I knew what was happening. Knew what was going on. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, he saw a girl in front of him that he was like, this is strange. There shouldn't be a girl this age just here walking around asking me these questions and she definitely shouldn't be speaking my language to me. Like I don't know why this this clearly like mm-hmm. white uh, girl knows my language as well. Knows multiple languages, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and ultimately, we turned the subtitles on and found out. Yeah, that's what's going on. <laughs> that's what's happening in the scene. Mm-hmm. That was all explained visually very well. Mm-hmm. Um, because the movie is just very good at like getting its information across to you through its sort of just like rapid succession of imagery. You know, I just you made me think of a line that I really love. Oh, please. Um, when she was talking to. Uh, who is she talking to? But they said, oh, you know, some, oh, no, she said something about speaking Japanese. Yeah. And she said, I love Japanese. It's so big. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I thought that was such a cool line. Um, and I guess it thematically uh, speaks to the idea of just like her scale is small. Yeah. She knows this 
this survivalist compound, we'll call it, that she lives totally. in. Totally. I mean, when she sees that uh, that TV and that light, she's like, oh, you have electricity. Mm-hmm. I've read about electricity. You know, she's lived a very small life. Oh, that and is... that's a neat thing they did filmmaking-wise, too. Yeah. Um, when she first gets to the hotel, oh, yeah. fluorescent lights, ceiling fans, um, just uh, there was a music video on TV. The teapot? Uh, the teapot going off, and then there was guns on TV. And yeah, all. Uh, the and, phone uh, started ringing. Phone starts ringing, and it's all disorienting, and she's she's can't handle the it. The cacophony of then mer- shot modern almost life. exactly the same way. A few minutes later, she sees a live music performance, oh, yes, right? And it's the same kind of thing. It's the same confluence of different sounds, but because there's soul to it and rhythm to it, it's the best thing in the world to her. Yeah, and I think we all know what that's like. Yeah, but what's crazy is it, it depicts to me how how much. Uh, what's the word? How much calamity I tune out on a regular basis just yep. because that's the world. It's, it's the world. It's yep. fine. Yep. And uh, she didn't have that, so it's, right. you know, that's her. But what a great filmmaking thing to show how there's noise and there's music. Yeah. And both are by definition the same thing. Yeah. But there's but, music. Yeah. yeah like, that's there's... cool. And in her, you know, then thematically to her life, like she can learn all of the skills of survival and how to stay alive. Yeah. She can learn the sounds. Yeah. What she doesn't know is the music. Right. And, and you know, when, when she's about to kiss that boy, her brain immediately goes into, if I close my eyes and kiss this guy, my guard is down. Yep. And she hits him. Yep. And, uh, and it's adorable and it's fun, but it's heartbreaking because you go, man, she knows how to stay alive. Yep. She knows the sounds, but she doesn't know how to be alive. She doesn't yeah. know the music. That, uh, you're you're hitting on a thing so great that uh so she says in the very beginning of the movie her dad is reading like an encyclopedia britannica to her or something to that effect and he one of the articles he's reading references music and i don't know if you remember but the thing that she specifically asks him is what does music feel like yes and it's a great joke is he looks at her and then starts turning the pages and looks up music yeah. and just starts reading about music to her. And it illustrates a lot about like how she's being raised and what she ends up knowing and not knowing. And that is the thing that when you get to that scene with the music and what is so great about what you're talking about with the, the sort of similar editing to the cacophony of modern life. You yeah. know? Modern life is full of sound. She wants to know what music feels like. Turns out music is not necessarily different than sound. It's still sound. It, we, we get the same repeated visualization of the rapid cutting to all of these different things. But it's music, and music feels like something. Music Sound doesn't feel like anything. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's that thing where it's like she knows how to survive, but she doesn't know what living is. She, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, a, it's very, it's crazy. It's It's so amazing the way he's able to depict all of that through just the visuals like he uses the language of his movie and he's already established that language that rapid cutting that you know it's almost what we're talking about with the way action is often directed yeah i watch a movie that is hypercut and all that and i go you know how to make a movie Mm -hmm. but i watch a movie that finesses that and does the work and it's like you know how to tell a story. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know how yes. to show me. You know how to make a movie movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, and it, you know how to tell through showing. You know how to tell through showing. You know how to finesse that. You know, how to, anyone can assemble images and call it a movie, but yeah. you put the soul into it. Yeah. And, and that's so important. And that's important to Bana. Hannah is like listening to music. Yeah. Oh, well, and <laughs> it's, it's like watching a good movie. Yeah. It, but it, it is like, it brings into the question what is, what is, Life versus living life. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I, surviving versus living. To thinking about it about Eric Bana's character. Yeah. 
most dads, if she said, what is music, would try to hum a song or sing a song or do something. Yep. He's not really capable of that right. anymore. He is beyond the point where life is is fantasy and imaginary right. and life right. is is livable. He's just staying alive. He's surviving. And I'm not talking about like, Bee Gees <laughs> staying alive, which is the yeah. purest essence of of living. If you want to bring it back to the, <laughs> if you want to bring it back to the the sort of theme thing we were talking about before too, is that I think is maybe the uh, the scary thing that the movie is depicting is for women, a lot of life is survival as opposed to just living. Supposed just is, living. Is sad when living when living is. When just living without care is a luxury, that's a problem. And that's yeah. something that affects all of us. Yeah. But it affects women in a way that it's not necessarily going to affect me right. in as many circum in nearly as many circumstances. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. It's it's really interesting that the movie works on that. It, and it really works on that level now that we're talking about it. it that's a great parallel. It's a good um, movie. And one thing we didn't talk about, actually, since we're talking about music, is the music. Yeah. Which oh, was great. Fuck, it's yeah. got this amazing kind of like techno soundtrack. You brought up that it sounds kind of like the Dust Brothers that did the um, the Fight Club soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it is almost like a techno soundtrack. Huh. To it's the Chemical Brothers. The ca- oh, that's who. And that's who did Fight Club. I was. Did they do Fight Club? Yeah. I think it's the Dust Brothers. Did you think Fight so? Club. Yeah. Am I wrong? Because um. the Chemical Brothers sound super familiar now that you said it. Well, the Chemical Brothers did. Oh, they had like a single in like the 2000s, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. They did that song that was like some little little block rocking beats. I I do not know that one. one. It does not look like they did uh, Fight Club. So it was the Dust Brothers that did Fight Club. Uh, Probably. But I do know the Chemical Brothers. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Uh, It's a great soundtrack uh, and is seems sort of anachronistic. If that makes sense to like what you feel like you're seeing when the movie starts, but as it sort of makes its stand, as it sort of like puts its hand down on like, no, 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 this is like kind of an exploitation movie. It becomes, mm-hmm. it's like, oh yeah, that's I, I get it. Well, they do something cool with it right off the bat is yeah. that literal action beats will match up yes. with when the drums fade synchronized in, to it. You yeah. know? And so when he punches, it'll break. But it also happens with some emotional beats. Yeah. But it also happens when we're cutting back and forth from a more action-packed scene to a non-action-packed scene where there's a soft sort of, uh, you know, dreamlike trancey score. And then there's also the more aggressive kind of Fight Club-y sounding score. Yeah. And they just bring up the volume on that one and yep. then bring it yep. down. It fades in and out. So it never feels aggressive. Um this is another thing that to compare that I think Danny Boyle does well, but he kind of does it with more of an edge yeah. to uh like more of an edge to where it fits in with his cuts. Yes. Whereas this fades in the cuts. Um and his has less of an edge in how it punctuates, you know, literal things happening in the screen. Whereas is like- this score in Hannah you know, punches line up with drum beats purposefully. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I feel like Boyle is like sort of a blasting you know, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. And this is more like a He'll thumping do his cuts kind to match of, the beat, yeah. but not the actions. Yeah. This is the other way where it fades in and out and it, it almost substitutes visual transitions. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. It, this movie is like... It's great. Excellent. Yeah. I, I can't believe I slept on it for so long. It, I, I just want people to... Like, I literally am just going to go into work next week and probably spend every waking <laughs> you know, moment of my office like, like telling people about yeah, it. Yeah, I saw that movie. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And, and you know, most people I bet are going to be like, yeah, I saw the movie. It's, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. You know, like, yeah. in just a casual way. Yeah. But I, it's I like in a casual really, way. really liked this. Uh, I think that's actually probably what kept me from watching it for so long is yeah. I kind of figured that it would be one of those, like, just, like, pretty good movies. Yeah. Like, oh, that was... That was, you know, the casual viewer would love this. Cool Sunday afternoon, man. This was good. Yeah. That's really good. You got to watch Atonement, man. I I will watch it now. 
Atonement is good. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was very impressed with this. I, and she, I just loved this. Like, mm. I, I, I love when this happens. Thanks, Amanda. Yes. Yeah. This you is my favorite thing. It's just like sitting down to be like, what is this? And just being like, oh, it's everything about it is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've, I've never heard about Everything you've heard about this movie is true. That's just what turns out. This has, I mean, I guess it hasn't been around as long, so we'll see what time yeah. does to it. I feel like this is going to be, you know, the way that we're seeing the fifth element is now. Yes. Where I, I had no idea. Like, I knew everyone kind of liked the fifth element. I, I always kind of liked it. Turns out everybody fucking everybody loves it. the fifth element. Like, that... I would if you said take all these sci-fi movies from this ten year, which one's the classic? Yeah, probably wouldn't have picked it. No, but it's correct. I, yes, <laughs> and and it, and it turned out that yeah. it is. I think Hannah could potentially have that life. I agree. So let's see. It's twenty seventeen. Fifth Element was what ninety seven. Uh huh. So this twenty was years. Two thousand nine. So twenty twenty nine. Yep. Oh, oh, look uh-huh. back. Uh huh. Twenty twenty nine. Uh huh. Hannah, yep. starring Banna. Yeah. <laughs> As a man named Eric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ben is actually the guy that I hire to capture celebrities for my gay island. Oh, yeah. He lives there. Yeah. But when I'm like, listen, I need you to go get your hands on. Uh, oh, I, mean, I mean, Ham was a tough get. <laughs> John Ham can put up a fight. Yeah. He's multi talented, that man. But yeah, we send Bonner to go do it on the strength of Munich. That's, um, yeah. Yeah. He, he can do it. It's a good call. Yeah. Uh, you want to get into our list? Eric Bona. <laughs> That's what we call him on my island, because we like to have fun. Yeah. Tango lessons don't happen every day. You got to fill the hours. Who teaches tango lessons on your island? Um, who teaches tango lessons? Oh, well, you know, we had to shut them down, but uh, the, the lab in my basement where we're trying to resurrect Swayze <laughs> uh, so we can get the tango lessons back. I gotcha. So, I gotcha. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is Harvey 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 Air Bardem the uh, the lab technician that's like doing the research? He's on like a neighboring island. Okay, um, he doesn't. He's not part of the Gay Island fun. Is that only um, because of No Country for Old Men? No, it's it's just like he's not a hunk. Hunks live on my island. Okay, all right, fair he's enough. He's not fair a enough. hunk. He's a guy that comes over and we're like, oh shit, Bardem's here, and he brought he brought shrooms. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Okay, and right. we all have a good time, fair. and then he goes back to you yeah. know his his other island. He's welcome, but we're not fucking. That's yeah, not yeah, I got it, I got it. Let's get one thing straight, all right, guys. I'm not fucking Javier he's Bardem. A, he's a straight party boy. He's yeah, exactly. Yeah. The thing is, honestly, if he got on the island, I would bet that he's probably the gayest dude on the island. <laughs> but. uh Sorry, Javier. Thanks for the shrooms. Yeah, um, you're welcome anytime. Yeah, but uh, you're gonna you're gonna have to go home. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. Renner's almost back, <laughs> and he and and he likes it when dinner's ready. What yeah. can I say? I, I don't know. You know, you got to keep these guys happy. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> kidding. Renner's actually probably not on my island. Uh, oh, really? Because I was gonna say he actually Maybe. seems one of the guy that would make like some pretty decent food I as think opposed he to being me cooked found for it. the gay island and he has his own neighboring island. Oh uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and uh, I, I think I, re- I think I respect him too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you crash landed on an island and he showed up with his entire gay island yeah, and was exactly. like, "We'll build you an island." He was the he was like the, the the pilot that that had crashed there and was like, oh, I can't believe you guys showed up. And we were like, dude, you have no idea what this island's going to be. I feel like Guy Pierce is on his island. Guy Pierce is definitely on his island. Yeah. Guy Pierce, he can also come hang out. I don't think he'd be on my island. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I've only got, I've only got so much cum, guys. Hold on. This is worth <laughs> explaining. Do you know how I got there, by the way? <laughs> I, I went... I went, okay, so Renner is building you things. That makes him a carpenter. Who's a carpenter? Jesus. Who played Jesus? Guy Pierce? No, it wasn't even. It was the guy I always confused with Guy oh, Pierce. This is how Jim I got Caviezel. there. Jim Caviezel, yeah. who I confused with Guy Pierce. That's how I got to Guy Pierce. Okay, well, fair enough. There you go. Jim Caviezel, 
Probably not on the island. I don't think he even makes it. Nah, he doesn't make it. No. But you know what, though? I, I think Jim Caviezel died trying to swim to the island. I'll oh, give him that. He definitely wants to yeah. be on the island. And he almost made it. He's yeah. actually the closest anyone's ever gotten to swimming to the island. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the ocean's brutal, man. It's a magical island. It's, it's, it's a magical island. One where the sand is actually just one piece. <laughs> it's just a flat. It's good. Yeah. It's so much better that way. Got to keep that cork inside, baby. Got it. Yep. It's <laughs> a weird Lost joke. Okay. <laughs> Nobody on Lost is on the island. <laughs> not not even you, Desmond. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't do it. Saeed's not allowed in because he just tortures people all the time. I, I would take both Matthew Fox and Josh Holloway. Okay. Uh, Sawyer could be on there. Yeah. Late Sawyer when he was oh, nice. Dude, I never remember this guy's name, but Faraday is on my island. Oh, uh, Jeremy Davies. Yeah. Jeremy Davies. Mostly because he's like a doppelganger of me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you totally have a Jeremy <laughs> Davies thing going on right now. That's so fucking funny. Uh, he funny. would play me in my life story about my <laughs> island. Lost is actually the story of my gay island. Jeremy Davies plays <laughs> me. <laughs> You're the one who's there that everyone's like, oh, I thought you brought us here to fuck. You're like, no, no, listen. We're going to connect all the computers because <laughs> you got to think, uh, you know, extra dimensionally. Yeah, yeah. And so we've got yeah. to do. <laughs> But my favorite thing about Lost, and only because yeah. I touched upon it, was in the first few seasons, Saeed was always like, after that torture, I was so broken, I never tortured anyone again. Yeah. And then in any other situation, people would just be like, man, I lost my shoe. He'd be like, did somebody say that someone needs to be tortured? <laughs> like, no, Saeed, you, you don't need to torture this person. He's like, fine, I will torture one more person, but it's the last one. It's the last time I torture anybody because it has really taken its toll on me. And they're like... Okay, fine. If you're gonna torture somebody, let's get it done. And then, like later, they're like, "Oh man, uh, we're we're really hungry. We got to kill one of these pigs." He's like, "Do we torture it first? (laughs) No, no. We just stab it with this stick." He's like, "But really funny." But I, I promise, after I torture the pig, it'll be the last one. Like he's every time was he was broken by it. And then anytime someone needed to like torture, he would emerge from the woodwork. Like, did somebody say torture? Said, can you stop? It's really funny. You have to stop. <laughs> yep. That's the best lost joke anybody's ever told. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> can we get into these lists? Because it's basically true. Yeah, yes. He tortured like 50 people and I, all of them were the last. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every last one of them. One last torture. It's like, if I don't torture another person, I'll surely go insane. This is torture. If they ever made a Saeed movie, it would be a heist movie. That's his one last heist to kidnap a guy that he can torture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, all this waiting is torturous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we decided for list this week, uh, in honor of Hannah. Hannah. Hannah? Hannah. Because... Johanna said Hannah. Well, her mother was Johanna. Oh, yes. Okay. And her got grandmother it, yeah. was grand, Grandmama. Yeah. But that might have just been the German of it all was, that everybody was. was, was... <laughs> yeah, that was the German of it all that it was Hannah. 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 All right. Well, yeah, Kate Blanchett had a weird voice because sometimes she was She was trying to do a Southern, but maybe I'm also German. And I will say this that was a great one to uh, villain because yes. she didn't play big. Right. She actually played like someone who fucked up yeah. cleaning up yeah. some some loose, loose ends and yep. it's just. You know, finally came. It, this is something she's been preparing for for right. a long time jo- as well. Job gone wrong. Knew it was going to come back to haunt her. Exactly. And she plays it. She doesn't go big with it and plays it. You know, very small. And she has her henchman, the Sandman, yes, yeah. who awesome. is very, very creepy yeah. and weird, and also does not get a very huge farewell. No, no. I mean, it's huge, but it's mostly off camera. Uh-huh. 
So yeah, just want to say those villains were a lot Sand of fun. Man. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that scene where he goes into the tent with a little kid is literally the scariest oh, yeah. thing I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> oh, creep me out. Uh, but so in honor of Anna, we decided to do. Uh, I think we specifically titled this "Badass Kids." Badass Kids. Uh, which I, by the way, I love that we decided that is specifically what this is because I realized how specific that actually is, and it made for good lists. Because uh, I did not. Because there's a thing, so we could talk about this. I did not consider the Goonies to be badass kids. I thought about these things. Mm-hmm. I did not consider them to be badass kids. I thought of this as like, these are movies where like like kids, quote unquote, and, I, and we can talk about that and qualify that too, but kids, quote unquote, are, are like literally doing something badass. Like mm-hmm. they're actually like a true badass in an almost like an adult sense. That That's kind of the way I went, yeah. is kids behaving believably beyond what kids can normally yeah. do as badass. That's how I defined it. That was kind of where I was, too. I have too. some that are better than others. Me, too. Uh, well, I mean, some that are more uh, directly what we see in Hannah than yes. others. Yes. Um, and I, I have a lot of honorable mentions because Me once the floodgates opened, they started going. Yeah. Um, do you want to go? Do you want me to go? Uh, I'll start because I have a very off one uh, I, to start okay. with. Uh, I do, too. Tropic Thunder. Do you remember the, the kid that leads who, the village? Yeah, who makes uh, makes him do the, the y- yes. retarded movie? Yeah. Yes. I love that kid. That kid was... Gr- I forgot about and him. That's is a good one. legit badass in that movie. Like, you, like, it is a joke that a kid is leading this, like, drug ring village. Yeah, yeah. Except that that kid is so good at being believably badass, you're like, I think this kid is running this village. Like, yeah, that's you, true. You like really buy into it. That kid was really good. I he's, forgot he's he like even really, existed. I know. He's so good in it that I'm like mad that I have not seen him in other things. Maybe you have. Yeah, maybe I have. I don't he know. could be yeah. one of those people where you just realize, oh, he was that kid from everything. Yeah, he, he's great That's in that a good movie. one. Do you remember what the character's name was? I, I don't, actually. Okay. I'll look it up while you, uh, while you throw yours out. My number five is animated Oren Ishii from Kill Bill. Oh, my God. Because when she is a kid yes. who is going on a sort of vengeance quest, she does some really troubling and badass things. Um, yeah, she does. And it's such a great thing because we do see her as an adult, and even though one is an animated child and one is a flesh-and-blood actress, it is very distinctly the same person. Oh, yeah. And it's such a fully fleshed-out character, and most of the fleshing out of that character is done through this depiction of the child. And um, I don't know, it was just a really badass kid. Um it is heartbreaking when she, the guy who she ultimately wants to kill, she's fucking him, mm-hmm. and then stabs him through the chest with the uh, with the sword. Yes, and that's horrifying because it's like this is a kid doing something that kids should not do for a reason that kids should not even be able to conceptualize. Yep, and not necessarily. I don't believe in vengeance, so not necessarily being right, right but in the realm of this movie, doing something good. Like yes, that's that's what, and I think that. Now that we've pulled apart, Hannah speaks the magic. I was just going to say, it's, but it's also just like it's sure your know, sheer entertainment value. That is a badass sequence. I fucking, it's one of my favorite things about that movie yeah. is that it has the like just the stylistic choice of it being anime for mm. a flash. Everything about it is uh, that kid's name was Tran. That was the character's name in the movie. Okay. Uh, he was the leader of Flaming Dragon. Flaming Dragon. Yeah. Yes, uh, okay. got it. Yep. Uh, and uh, the the actor's name is Brandon Suhu. Nice. Yeah. Um, uh, let me hit you with another one. Uh, I'm curious if this is on your list, actually. I thought maybe it might be. I'm not sure. Um, maybe a little off. I don't know, but, uh, Temple of Doom. 
Um, short round is my number one. Is he really? <laughs> yeah, short round. Is I thought he might be on your list. One of my list. I he thought is he might be incredibly badass. Yes, because yeah. th- literally, like when I first thought of it, I was like, oh yeah, Temple of Doom. Like he's kind of badass. And then I really started thinking about it. And I was like, that kid's like really badass. He's really badass. He's the one. He saves that, Indy's life. Yep. He pulls him out of the the magic nightmare that yep. probably shouldn't have happened. It, yep. Because um, he said he'd never experienced anything he got supernatural the before. About the the left tunnel. Yes. Um, yes. Even yes, though they didn't right. do it, but he yeah. was on it. Yeah. Uh, he fights people. He yeah. he's the one who's not a pussy about the crazy food. Yeah. And he has the best line in the whole movie. Uh-huh. And it's right when uh, he's about to cut the rope bridge, and uh-huh. he looks back to short round. He's like, "Short round." And he says something in his language, yeah. and short round starts grabbing onto the stuff. And uh, what is it? Kate Capshaw? Is that her name? Yeah. She's like, "What did he say? What did he say? What did he say?" He goes, "Hang on, lady." We're going for a ride. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. So good. Uh, short, yeah, short round's my number one. He so. also has my favorite line in that movie, uh, which is when uh, they are on the plane that they're about to just crash oh. land into a river. Yes. And he bursts into the cockpit and goes, No more parachutes! It's <laughs> my favorite line in Temple of Doom. That kid is so good. I hope short round's still, still just having yeah, a great life. I, me too. Because he had that, he had the Goonies. Data, yeah. Um, right, yeah. that was the character's name in, in I think Goonies. So. I, I think? I'm actually not well versed yeah. on the Goonies. I saw that later in life, and you know, was yeah. not moved by it. <laughs> yes, that uh, is sensible. Yeah, my number one is short rounds. That's so, amazing. Uh, that's fine. Yeah. That gives me good a chance one. to good. bring in you know other people off of my. Uh, oh yeah, good call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hit me with another one of yours then. All right, my number four is Ellie from Let the Right One In. Oh, awesome! I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that's like that's really good. It's almost a cheat though because we do find out. Spoiler <laughs> alert! If you haven't seen it. That she's not a kid. She's an infinite child. But I like the idea of like how much of being a kid is defined by the fact that you are in a kid's body. Yes, and it's yeah. a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And as such, there are certain things that she simply can't know being yeah. in a kid's body. Yeah. And you know, and then, you know, finding out too that her old caretaker was once a kid that yes. she sort of wooed in. Yeah. And not even dishonestly so. No, you know, right. It, it always seems genuine, but um, what a badass kid! Yeah, you know that pool scene is. The, I mean, I've still never seen the remake, and I hear it's wonderful. It's I would good. like to see it. it, but yeah, that yeah. And she's really badass. If you think about again, it's so amazing that we're going to keep coming back to this. I think I'm suddenly realizing just like the horror of being a woman in the world has suddenly come to fruition because of mm-hmm. Hannah. But the like, she has literally just figured out like what's badass about her is. One of the things that's interesting about that movie is, is you know, vampires are often used as a mythology to go like, ooh, they live forever. How, you know, uh, uh, interesting and appealing is that? They take vampirism and go like, yeah, but in order to live forever, they need blood. And that's actually a difficult thing to get mm-hmm. in the world now. So in order for her to have survived as long as she has, she has had to become a badass that mm-hmm. sort of has basically... Well, getting blood's easier if you're not a kid. Yes. You right. know, it, she... There's very few people that she's gonna. I mean, she is gonna overpower them. She's yeah. a vampire, but still, like, there's there's limits. Yeah, it's a pr- pretty. Uh, th- that's a great choice. That's a good one. Pretty interesting one. Uh, I am gonna throw a looper at you because I think the Rainmaker oh, is quite the badass, even though he's not necessarily like an intentional badass. We mm. meet him in Looper when he's kind of like um, the beginnings of the badass. We find out he'll come. He'll become. Sort of become a parent at uh, at the end of that movie. And I have to revisit that. I've seen that like one and a half times. Oh, it's so yeah. good. It like really holds up to repeat viewings. And that kid is like, he ends up being a badass in a really interesting way because like the 
you hear about the Rainmaker throughout the movie. He's almost like a mythical character you hear about. That's like kind of he's like the ultimate evil and and kind of like a badass that does these badass things. When you finally meet him in the movie is as a child that has a very badass power that he's not necessarily in control, like total mm-hmm. control of. And we get to see him do very badass things with that power, making him a badass kid. But oh, the when he thing, rips the blood out of that dude. It's that that's is like crazy. Wild. Yeah. Uh, it's very Akira, actually. That the yeah. the finale of that movie is is, is <laughs> a very that movie was scored to like oh <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> but the badass thing about that character actually is the way that um, he interacts with Emily Blunt, mm. uh, who is his mother, and it's a actually a similar thing to what's happening at the end of Hannah, where she's. Yeah, I believe that's definitely. If I remember right, it is really her son. It's not like they're not flesh and blood or anything, but he. Whatever is going on with this kid, he's like wise beyond his years, mm-hmm. and so he, he like he refers to his mother as Sarah. He just calls her Sarah. He I he don't remember any he of this. sees her as like an adult that knows she's struggling to raise him. Mm-hmm. He's got this like weird maturity about him, and so she has to struggle to still see him as an innocent because he is still an innocent. Like it's this weird reversal of the mm-hmm. roles, and so there's this weird badass very similar to Let the Right One In. Where yeah. Like, there is a wisdom there, but it is it is indeed still a child. Yeah, exactly. And so there's this reversal of their roles where his badassness becomes his ability to see that she's struggling to be his mother and that that means something to him. There's like this weird kind of badass thing about him where it's like, no, I, I know you're trying to do something good for me. I'm kind of actually beyond that. Like, mm. I don't even really need you. And I know how much that's breaking you. Oh, yeah, but, and I know you need me. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and there's so there's this badass thing about him where he's like, I, I I know you need me to need you, so I'll give that to you. It's like that cheap trick song. Yeah, I want you to. Want yeah, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I need you to need yeah. me. Yeah, I have psychic powers. <laughs> yeah, I can rip blood. Dude, out that of movie people. is so good. I would like to revisit that. It's like time. It, yeah, it's been a very long time it, since it, I've seen it. And they have jet motos. Looper is like time, oh, man. Oh. <laughs> what do you got? What else is on your list? All right, well, I'm going to pull one of my audibles in uh, just. Oh yes, in place I of the Temple of Doom one. that we hit. Sorry about that. And oh no, it's all good. Um, I'm, I'm always go toppling with, uh, your lists by going like, I wonder if this is on Dan's list. You're like, yeah, it is on my list. It's number one. Short rounds number one. I mean, can it be argued? <laughs> uh, I will throw in Haley Stark, Ellen Page's character in Hard Candy. Oh fuck, dude! Yeah. How did I not even think of that? That's a badass movie. Holy fuck, it is! And she takes a uh, online sexual predator, and without uh, without saying too much, we'll just say that uh, even before he is no longer with us, yes, he was not going to do that again. <laughs> he was definitely not going to do that again. Here, I'm trying. Well, the thing is, though, what I love is that maybe he was. That's yeah, why, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of how to phrase this so that I don't spoil anything about Hard Candy so that you know exactly what I'm talking about. But there is a scene in that... Here's how I can put it, because this is what the movie's about. So I can say this, and you'll know what I mean without it spoiling anything. The scene where she tortures him, Mm. where she, like... Yeah. Where she tortures him... Yep. ...is one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever seen in a movie is mind-bogglingly gross and graphic without actually having to be any of those things. Yeah. It's unreal. It's such an exceptional bit of filmmaking. I remember that was one one of the that's actually one of the first movies that I saw that at the Philly Film Festival one year. Yeah. And that was one of the first movies that I ever watched on a computer. Oh. And it was when I first got iTunes. Interesting movie to watch. And I watched it on a computer and I remember even having already seen it 
that scene, I was walking back and forth, uh, looking at it on my laptop, just like, ah, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, <laughs> it was crazy. Dude. But it's also like she was probably about the same age as Saoirse Ronan was. I was going to say, she's got to be. And just does this performance yeah. that seems well above the mentality of yeah. someone of that age. Yeah. You know, it's a very informed, and this is a much darker performance than yes. the one yes. in Hannah. Um you, know, you come out of it because she feeling, almost becomes the villain by the end of it. Well, by the way. end of it, you go, you know, she may have won this battle, but like this, this is a girl who's not okay. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. This is yeah, somebody exactly. who's yeah. who's coming out of this with some scars, you yeah, know, yeah. or has some, or you know, I, I don't know if we ever get a sense of what her history is. I can't remember leading up to it, but yeah. either way, it's just yeah, that's a that's a yeah. really good uh, badass kid. I think. Yeah, I totally agree. I can't believe I didn't think of that one. Uh, I can't believe it didn't make my list. So I've done three. Okay, so ready? Here's Mm. Stoker. Oh, Stoker. So watch Atonement. Okay. Watch Atonement. I had to think about this because is that also Cirrus Ronan, by the way? No, that is. um, Who is that? I can't think of her name, but she's in Atonement. It's. um, What's her name? Why can't I think of it? I'll get it. Okay. You talk about it. So here's the thing. I had to think about this because I was like, well, is she a kid or is she like a teenager? I, I, I was trying to think about like, what do we call Mia Vasikovska. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and she's I, an atonement. Uh, okay. And she's like 12. She's great in Stoker. And what I ended up coming to the conclusion of was by badass kid, I kind of think what I mean is someone that hasn't reached maturity yet. Right, like so. Whether she, whether we want to call her a kid or a teenager by her age, Stoker is all about her coming of age, mm-hmm. and so I could consider her a badass kid. And she's like truly a badass kid. Like she oh, literally yeah. kind of has superpowers in it that they don't fully explain. It's Remember, she's one got that's the, been a while since I've seen it. The, in the beginning of the movie, she has this voiceover where she can like see further than other people, yeah, and she yeah. can hear sounds more distinctly she has, like, than other senses, people. Yeah. yeah, her senses are like very heightened. Uh, and that's a movie where. Uh, it is another movie about the violence done to women just on a daily oh, yeah. basis and them having to just survive, having to learn to survive rather than get to just live. Uh, and it, But it's a movie that does that in a really distinctly creepy way that doesn't have a lot of answers for you. It just has a lot of questions about those things. It's like a picture of a tainted sexual awakening. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. It's wild. Yeah, yeah. and, and it's excellent. It's, yeah. yeah. She's a badass kid in She's that. She's a really badass kid in that. Mia Vasikovska. Yeah. Stoker, baby. Definitely check that That's out. That's a really good choice. Yeah. All right, where did my list go? What you All right, got? My number three, Squints. Squints! From the Sandlot. Yeah. Because Squints kissed a girl that day. Dude. And they all respected him for it. We all know that what he did was wrong, but that... I, I, actually, Chris Cotton, former guest of the show, yes. specifically asked me to do Sandlot at oh, some point. Oh, I would love to. So we got to do that. But Squints is... Uh, and if I remember the postscript of the movie... Not only did Squints pretend to drown so that during Mouth to Mouth he could kiss Wendy Peppercorn. I love that you remember her name. But he married her, invented mini malls. That's correct. And they had nine children. That is all accurate. (laughs) That is, Squints is a badass. Uh Uh-huh. So Squints is a badass child. I have an honorable mention to put a cherry on top of that Squints for you. Uh, Well, I'll drop it now. It's an honorable mention. Uh, Blank check. I don't know if you ever saw Blank Check. I did. Uh, Blank Check, by the end of that movie, he makes out with that woman that is like 15 years his senior. I don't remember that. Yeah. Blank Check. That was in like the post-Home Alone yes. kids doing traps with toys yes. kind of thing. Uh, was Miguel Ferrer the bad guy in that? Yes, he was. Okay, uh, that's what I'm picturing. Yes, he was. Uh, yeah, that movie is all about that FBI agent that is like a super hot lady 
who you don't know is an FBI agent until the end of the movie, uh, that he's like hitting, she's like a bank teller that he hits on the whole time and ends up uh, getting involved okay, in this okay. whole thing with him, who turns out to actually be an undercover FBI agent that's investigating Miguel Ferrer's character. Slash pedophile. Basically, <laughs> yeah. because by the end of the movie, they straight up just like have a big kiss moment where she's like, give me a call when you're 18. It, it's insane. I don't, see, I've, I've seen that movie once ever, and yeah. it was another one of those early movies, like, as a kid, where it's like, I didn't know movies could actually be not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was like, to me, it felt like an inferior I loved that movie when I was but a kid. But at the same time, that is a beloved movie. And to me, movie. that's the most badass, is that he that gets this badass. woman 15 years a senior to end up making what out What is that with kid's name? Uh, he's I, one I was, of those kids that I has the know. best kid's name actor. I was trying to think I of it. Know it. Well, and then I'll lay you with uh, my number one, which you uh, just referenced, uh, Home Alone is my number one. Oh, nice! I really thought about this, and I was Home Alone was going to be a goofy honorable mention. Like I just I I put it in there as like a goofy honorable mention, and then I really thought about it, and I really thought about it, and I really thought about it, and that kid doesn't just defend his home from like dangerous criminals, like proven to be dangerous, scary criminals. He defends his entire neighborhood. Oh yeah, from yeah, them. that's true. They're there to rob everybody on that block, and he uses everything at his disposal to defend his entire neighborhood from them. It is a badass kid. That is pretty badass. And he does some really dangerous, weird shit to them, too. he calls him a too. horse's ass. Yeah. That, yeah. I remember thinking that was so funny yeah. as a kid. Yeah, horse's ass! And that's also what makes him more badass, is those movies ultimately led to... Uh, they became based about the traps. Yes. But for the bulk of Home Alone, he truly believes that he wished his family yes. into disappearance. Yeah. And that is something that I never realized as a kid. And yeah. then seeing it as a grown-up was more moved by that than any of the... And right. I, hey, tra- uh, what's the word? Rube Goldbergian <laughs> traps yeah. enacted on Daniel Stern, um, which, ready to have your mind Not only blown. does it so not get old, they ended up making Bushwhacked because it will never yep. get old. Which I think was initially going was to, supposed be to be a, a Home Alone like sequel. Home Alone sequel. Yeah. In researching this list, I did come across uh, Home Alone when I was you know, looking through child actors. Yeah. Um, not that I, I mean, these I came up with on, on the top of my head, but getting into, uh, you know, just getting through it, I found out that Daniel Stern in Home Alone 1 is the same age as I am right now. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, in a few weeks, I'll be yeah. 33. He was 33 during that movie. God damn it. Yeah. Doesn't that <laughs> make that you crazy? feel? Oh, it's so crazy. That's so crazy. Yep. I always assumed he was just an old man. He was an adult. He was 33. Yeah. Oh yeah, Fuck. I saw a video of him the other day online where, so oh, he's so old. He's also he was like a time a high times stoner of the oh, year right. before. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a big activist for yeah. that. I saw a great video of him the other day, and it's clearly being filmed by his wife. Yeah, and he's got a bucket upside down, and it's like in his garage. Yeah. He's got boxers on. He's nothing else. Yeah, and he's like, you gotta get this. You gotta get this. And you can tell she's over the fact that she lives with Daniel Stern. <laughs> And he lifts up the bucket, and it's a giant spider, just like the one in Home Alone. Oh, yeah. And he looks at it and then does the Marv scream, <laughs> and it was beautiful. I love that. Yeah, I love that. That's what he, As soon as he saw it, he was like, I can do the Marv scream for the internet. He is one of my favorite humans. He, uh, One of my favorite like comedic deliveries of a line in anything is at the beginning of uh, City Slickers. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he's good in that movie, he's too. really good in that movie. And I don't know if you remember, but the beginning, they're at like a party of some kind, and he like owns like a just like a quickie mart or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of his employees just shows up at the party, and it's this young girl, and he's there with his wife at the party, and she's there to reveal that she's pregnant by him. He's been like having sex with mm-hmm. this girl that works for him. Uh, so like 
all at once in front of everyone he knows. His wife finds out that not only is he cheating on her, he has impregnated another woman. And him and his wife get in this shouting match. Uh, and what you find out is part of the reason he's been cheating on his wife is because he fucking hates his wife. And he shouts at her. And he's trying to explain to her how much he hates her. And he ends up shouting at her, If hate were people, I'd be China! <laughs> That's amazing. Which is so one of my favorite that. comedic deliveries of such a weird line. That's another one I'd like to revisit. Me too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. City Sl- he he was great in Rookie of the Year. Which oh, he also directed. He directed. Yep. Uh, Love that movie. Just his weird, yeah. you know, former pictures. Just funny. He claims he invents Icy Hot in that yeah. movie. Yeah. He gets stuck between the hotel doors yeah. for the third act of the movie. Yep. All right, so my number two, uh, which is now my number one because short round was was knocked out, is, um, well, I'm going to tell you what his nickname is, and you're going to be able to tell me his real name because he's such a badass. Hit me with a damn. He goes by by Fat Kid in the movie The Monster Squad. But what is Fat Kid's real name? Do you remember? Like his character's real name? The character's real name. He tells it right before he cocks the gun. I know. They call him Fat Kid. I know. Oh my God! He's got such a great line where he announces his name when he no, I can't remember. He cocks the gun and says, "My name is Horace." Horace, yeah. Horace from the Monster Squad is an incredible badass. I love that. It's not only that, that, but he's the one that discovered Wolfman has nards. Wolfman has nards. Wolfman's got nards, dude. I didn't even think of that. He's great. Yeah, my name honestly is Horace. All of the kids in the Monster really, Squad yeah. are pretty badass. Yeah. But uh, well, Horace, he, but that's his. Moment. I mean, yeah. he's got the moment. He yeah. has the arc where he we goes get to watch him become kid. a badass. His friends call him Fat yeah. Kid. Yeah, yeah. But monsters, they call him Horace. That's right. <laughs> that's, like, that's right. Horace rules, dude. Uh, that's a great pick. I love it. That was actually a really fun list to do. A couple other things I made my list, uh, just like honorable mentions. Uh, actually, just two comic book movies, Kick Ass. I felt yeah. like I kind of had Hit to girl. bring up because she. Whether that movie holds up or not, I have no idea. I only saw it the ones in theaters and loved it at the time. I feel like with a little more maturity and sensibilities, it might rub me the wrong way now. I don't know. I think Hit Girl is an amazing character, and she's great in oh, that yeah. movie. And I put Logan on this list. Hit Girl and Logan. They're at the top two of my honorable yep. mentions. Yeah, X-23 is, yeah. is pretty badass. Really and that's badass. A good performance. Really too. great performance. Especially when we find out that she doesn't just speak Spanish, but right. she's just been silently brooding. Yes. That's good shit. Yeah, so good. Um, I also had on the list, uh, um, just I, I didn't put it on my list because of what I said earlier, but Matilda from The Professional. Oh. Um, Gogo Yubari from Kill Bill. Oh, yeah. She is 17. That is a That's child. Right. She's yep. badass, but sorry, Charlie. Um, Carol Ann and Poltergeist. Oh, yeah. She gets sucked into another dimension, <laughs> and out of that whole, like, that whole trilogy, she's pretty cool about everything. I have not seen any of the uh, follow-ups yet. They're not good. Yeah, I want to um, watch them. But Carol Ann is... is like nonplussed by the yeah. whole thing, and it's. Do they ever actually up. go to the other dimension in those movies? In the second one, they sort of okay. like sh- it's it's not very good. Okay. The second one's better than the third, although the third has a weird, just like super B charm, but it's okay. it's not good. All right. Um, and then I also had both Henry Evans, Macaulay Culkin, and Mark Evans. Um, uh, what's his name from The Good Son? Oh yes. yeah, 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 because. Henry Evans is a badass because he's a murderous little bastard. Yeah. But Mark Evans is a badass because not only is he uh, able to put up with it, he is able to maintain purity throughout the whole thing. And he's able to convince his aunt to let her own son fall to his death uh, in exchange for his life. It's a pretty by good point. Being that much 
better. Yeah. And it's not just because uh, Henry's so bad, but it's because Mark is actually really, really good. Yeah. And there are a few things more badass than being very good in a bad situation. Yeah. Which takes us right back to Wonder Woman. Virtuous. So, yeah, yeah. Vir- you know, virtuous. So they got mentions. That's good. I like it. Dude, this is perfect. We're, we're hitting this thing right on the two-hour mark. This, oh, was, this was the greatest movie movie of all time. Uh, I mean, that... Hannah, Hannah was, was great. so great. Yeah. So I can't thank Amanda enough for emailing us and, and recommending that. Um, which you can do at I like two movie at, 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 at. You can email us, I like two movie at gmail.com. Uh, this is the numeric two. Uh, find us on facebook.com slash I like two movie numeric two at I like two movie on Twitter. Uh, we're, we're all over the place. I like two movie with the number two. Uh, give us a rating on iTunes, uh, you know, and tell us what you want us to watch and review. Give us a good reason to do it and we'll do it. Uh, worked out fucking amazing this time so we're now we're fucking amped and hyped to just watch things you want us to watch so tell us what you want us to watch we want to do it and once again july 15th at the milburn stone theater that's right uh near baltimore that's yeah just outside baltimore just outside baltimore Uh, Um, and you can go to milburnstone.com to get tickets mm -hmm. to i am a knife with legs with uh i like to movie movie on july 15th uh, you can find me on Twitter at Philadelphia. That's with an F. Uh, letterbox.com slash Philadelphia. I review every movie I watch. You can find me over on farsightedblog.com. I'm still doing splatter matters over there. Where I make my way through a bunch of Herschel Gordon Lewis movies. Uh, and I was recently a guest on uh, Based on Nothing podcast. We did a whole episode about Speed Racer, which was really fun, with uh, Ian Kimball of Shoestring Gold Films. Former guest of the show. That's right. Uh, and uh, I was also recently a guest on Everything is Awesome, which is another fun podcast uh, local to the area. So uh, check those out. Excellent. And um, you can find me anywhere at Dan Scully, Twitter, Letterboxd. Uh, check out Cinadelphia.com. Uh, that is where I do some pieces. And uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. And we actually know our next two episodes. Oh, so yes, I'm going please, to announce them. Uh, my former host uh, uh, with uh, Super Crappy Fun Times right. is going to be back in town. So two weeks from now, we will be doing Last Action Hero so at excited. his request, which is going to be fun to rewatch. So and, excited. Uh, it's a Shane Black, John McTiernan combo. Yep. And uh, it's it's a lot of fun. One of my favorites. Fits right I'm into the movie. movie where it fits. And then Four I believe la- after hey, that is going to be the top 10 of the first half we're gonna of 2017. Thus far. The 2017 thus far. So... Definitely tune into those, but yep. please interact with us because the rest of the summer has not been scheduled, and there's plenty of time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the rest of the show has not been scheduled. That's, That's right. as far as it goes. Yeah. So tell us. We'll watch it, and uh, you can watch it with us. Whatever. That's right. We'll drink boxed wine and talk about it. It'll be fun. Hell yeah. So uh, give the Last Action Hero a watch, and we'll be back with you guys in a couple of weeks to do that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, my name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. And we all know that you like to movie movie because, because we like to movie. movie.